Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. You're tuned to the Tech Ranch. I'm Steve Bach, along with Marlo Anderson, our guru of geek, who is uh, out of the studio right now. But we've got a special guest with us, Jake Andino, joining us. Uh, we're going to talk about the nexus of comedy and technology. And uh, Jake, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thank, thanks for having me. Uh, so, here. so I want to back up a little bit because you're a comedian by trade, but that's not where you started. You actually started in... Uh, well, I'll let you tell the story. Kind of an interesting space. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, I started, uh, you know, by by trade. I've been in the uh, technology consulting industry uh, really my whole career, over 20 years. And uh, that said, I didn't want to start there. Uh, you know, being uh, from as a first generation Indian, having Indian parents, uh, you know, there was a stereotype that at least fit my family. It was like, Jake, you're going to be a doctor or an engineer. And... <laughs> It was one of those things where I was like, uh, what about comedy, Dad? I have these stories and send me to L.A. And, and uh, you know, he that was my first business case I put together. It was like college costs this much. Rent in L.A. is this much. It's much less. But his 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 statement, his response was, uh, Jake, uh, Jake, there's no couches in L.A. And I'm like, Dad, there's there's couches in L.A. I'm pretty sure I can, uh, you know, and he's always touting uh, how amazing his, his couch is. So he's just like, Jake, why, why would you go all the way to L.A.? Just right, right, right here. And it's like, OK, I guess I'm going to go become an engineer. So the nuance of comedy, though, is about experiences. Now you apply that in a comedic or humorous way, um, you know. Being an engineer, and, and I've worked with engineers in the past and, and engineering firms as on the business consulting side of stuff. And, and for me, engineers are very brilliant people, but they tend to be cubicle people. They're box people. They, this is their space. And very few engineers, the real good ones, I think the real good ones are the ones that can get out of that space and see the bigger picture. And not all engineers can do that. The comedic side kind of kicks your butt out of the box. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a, especially, uh, you know, having, you know, so my degrees in computer science, um, and then I went right into consulting. It was, you know, very high level consulting in, in terms of, um, clients were C level executives. I was in it. Uh, and it was a, it was definitely a, a shock in terms of, uh, you know, the environment that's created is, of course, as you said, very serious, you know, and there is a box, uh, involved. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I, the comedy, uh, you know, soul or the comedian inside was always trying to break out, you know, and, and about seven years ago, I had a number of nightmares. The third one, I found myself disoriented. I was in the bathroom and I, it, the nightmares were the same. I was really old. I didn't do it. Uh, I didn't do something and I had to do it. And so I just took some time off. I just started writing. So out of nightmares and night terrors <laughs> come comedy. Come comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. When you see yourself as like a 90 year old person full of regret, you're like, let's not have that happen. So whatever that is. So I just started writing and I, I ended up uh, finishing a romantic comedy 
feature script, uh, you know, that I'm really excited about. And that was just one of the goals is just get my comedy out there. I started nightmares to romantic comedy. Yes. <laughs> That's an interesting love story. I, I have to say. Yeah. And, and to your point of experiences, the experiences drive the story. And so now that you're a little older and you have a lot of experiences, you have a lot to say, you know, so, um, so the comedy it's, and, and that, especially the movie itself, it's the intersection of, uh, it's it's basically country music meets Bollywood, you know. It's two best friends trying to find love. Oh, I can't wait to see this. When's this getting produced? Uh, hopefully next year. That's the goal. I mean, you know, of course, everything happening in the industry, you know, puts uh, some pressures on on it. But that next year is the is the goal to to really get this out there. And um and so it's like one of those things where it's like, well, then you work backward from that. I I want to be in this movie. I'm hoping uh, to act in it. I finished acting at Second City. Chicago that's where I'm from and and then it became let's do stand up let's get my stories out okay there. I'm gonna date myself right now because SCTV was some of my fondest middle school memories mm. staying up late and it's like don't let your parents catch you watching SCTV and then all of us kid would talk about what happened on SCTV the on Monday morning at school that that was kind of every weekend was and, and the talent that came out of SCTV from, well, just the Canadian stuff was yeah. unbelievable. But SCTV or your Second City, it's, they're still cranking out incredible talent. Yeah. So hearing you were a part of that, that, that I'm impressed. Thank you. No, it's a it's a great program. It it was amazing to go there, and um, I got really fortunate to get into there. How'd you get in there? Uh, you know, you you uh, up front, you can just take a, a number of classes that are just available. But as you get higher through the program, you have to start auditioning, you know, and one of the, you know, auditions, I just I laid it out there. I didn't think I was going to get I think they only let like 10 people into the program. So I got in and then that wasn't a second sign. The, the first sign was just my my script started winning awards around the world. It's it got into it's one at Barcelona. And so the script came before SCTV. Uh, they were kind of almost parallel okay. tracks, you know, and the script started winning. Um, it got into the Austin Film Festival last year, which was one of the best weeks of my life. Um, and then, yeah, the the I got into the big acting program. So then it was like, I got to get these stories out there. And I got a, a ton of funny stories and things that have happened to me. I uh, think the Reese Company, Jack Tripper, just an Indian version of that. It's the Bollywood version. You know, speaking of uh, old school, uh, that's as old, you know, but, uh, and so, all right, so I have to ask you, Mr. Roper or Mr. Furley? Uh, no, we're going to stick with Jack. Oh, okay. Jack. <laughs> I just, just ask. I, I was a Roper guy myself. I, I, loved, oh. I, I loved Don Knotts, but Mr. Furley just, it wasn't the same. Well, Mr. Mr. Furley's facial expressions are true. Legendary. True. I mean, you know, and so I would have to, if I had to choose one of those two, I have to, I'll go with uh, him. But, um, but yeah, and then, uh, you know, the, then, then it was like, let's get into the stand up world. And I, I really started performing and working on it, doing open mics and writing. And, and then I just saw a gap in the market. That's kind of where I, it landed, where it was like, you know, this is, it just feels like stand up comedians, it's a growing field and people are just kind of lost within it. It just, you're, at least for me, experientially, I was just like, let's go to an open mic. Let's sit here. It's like you wait for a couple hours. You do the five minutes. Like it's not connected. Everyone is just in their own wilderness <laughs> trying to find their way. Scat, kind of scattershot. Just scattershot stuff out there and throwing stuff out there. And that's kind of where, uh, you know, that's and that's where I was. I was I thought, I, you know, 
I see a, a gap in the market. And that's where I started thinking about designing a platform. This was uh, probably four years ago now or three years ago now, a while back. And I just started kind of thinking about how do I inter- intersect those two, technology and comedy? How do I bring this field more to light and, and, you know, think about the platform as almost it's stand up in the palm of your hands. You know, essentially it's like the platform that creates the user experience that's built on technology um, and using comedy to enrich everyone's lives. And that's where my past experience is in corporate America, where I'm not saying there's a censorship, but there is a, what you can't really, you got to be really careful with what you say. And I feel like that's increasing. And I do believe in being open, being honest, you know, and, and let's have some levity in our lives. I think, I don't know, you know, it feels like people could all use a laugh. (laughs) feels like there's a, 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 an obvious mental kind of situation in the country as well. So I just want to use technology to bring comedy into people's lives and just let's, let's just all have some laughs. So I want to get into the platform in a little bit here, but I just, I, I'm still a little hung up on the SCTV side. of <laughs> What knows? Cause seriously, and, and I don't think people understand uh, there's only a couple really legitimate working paths to comedy. Um, SCTV is one of them. That's kind of the roll your sleeves up and, and you grind through. It's kind of that Midwestern, um, sensibility. It's like, you're going to work. You're going to work. And then there's the, okay. Saturday Night Live and where those folks get to go. And then there's the stand-up and those guys work their way. I mean, you pay your dues climbing up that ladder. So you got to experience two of those, two out of the three pathways. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, they're they're both, um, especially going through the acting program at Second City. I mean, it has its its challenges of acting as its own unique field, you know, where things are pre-scripted, but you're you're performing and you're really bringing something, a character to life. In the stand-up world, you are you are creating a character. You're you're the character. You are the character. You're and at at some point, there's an inflection point of you finding your brand. It doesn't happen in the beginning. I don't know if I still even have it after three years. Could be seven years. Um, you can talk to the top comedians. They're probably still finding it. But at some point, there's a voice that. Well, I, I think they find it, but it's constantly evolving. So, so part of learning your craft is understanding how to continue to evolve. It's not because you know, we've seen this in the past. You, you see the comedian and, and they're one trick pony. That, that That's their shtick. That's what they do. And they're pigeonholed into that. Um, the really good ones are the ones who evolve and grow with that craft and and they weave in and out and through, you know, you take a look at some of the big comedians on, on television, uh, and in the movies, uh, like a Robin Williams and it was one of my favorites, but yeah. look at his career. Look how that career had grown. You take a look at a uh, Richard Pryor and how his career evolved. I, I think that's really the nuance of the craft is you learn how to evolve that character up on stage. Yeah, that's absolutely true. It's kind of, there's so many things that have to come together. It's, it's, there's a, obviously writing a joke. There is, you know, a premise, a setup. Not writing is a joke, but writing a joke. <laughs> writing a joke, exactly. A premise set up punch. There, there's a, you know, a construct of, of, of what a joke is. There's a number of laugh triggers and, and, you know, and, and you get into those laugh triggers and you kind of, and then from there you evolve into, okay, how do I actually perform this, right? And it's kind of the timing, the inflection points, it's all of that. And then through all of that, at some point, it's like, this is actually who I am here. There's a character that is starting to form and you're chipping away at this blob of clay. And and at some point you come out on the other side, you're like, 
that was amazing. You made a bunch of people laugh and, you know, and there's a character and then you start writing that character down and keep forming it. Um, when did you first decide that I'm a funny guy? I, I want to go down this road. I would say fourth grade. Yes, fourth grade. Class clown? A class clown. Um, we had to do a big presentation in front of the class, and it was one of those things that, um, you know, other people did one line or two lines. I brought in a bunch of boxes, and I did a big presentation. And, yeah, the teacher was amazing. <laughs> the Tech Ranch. Noon get back to discovering the latest in technology with the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. You're tuned to the Tech Ranch. I'm Steve Bakken, along with Marlo Anderson, our guru of geek, who's out in the studio at the moment. But we're talking with Jake Andino, uh, comedian, former, well, is it recovering tech guy? Is is, is that the proper term? Uh, yeah, I was just out. Recovering engineer? Recovering engineer. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Not to imply anything, but I'm implying something. Um, so we're, we're talking with Jake, who's a comedian, uh, written a screenplay, romantic comedy, um, it, it, all kinds of cool stuff. You, you've mentioned this platform, and I want to get into the platform stuff because through your engineering experience and uh, your consulting and, and now the comedy that you've stepped off into, uh, you kind of looked at the landscape and went, where can comedy go um, with artificial intelligence and, and different technologies that's out there? Where can you deliver comedy to the tips of your fingers? And, and, and there's something about going to a show that's it's magic. A good comedian, and I used to host a comedy club in, when I was in college, um, filling in, and I saw some great comedians, some some of the big names that are out there. Wow. And there's some magic that's involved through artificial intelligence, through some of the the technology that's there, you can still have that magic without actually being there. So the plat- tell us a little bit about the platform that you've been working on. Yeah, sure. Uh, so think of the platform as, you know, stand up in the palm of your hands, you know, so um, and you you are spot on and, and the experience, right? It kind of starts with that user experience. It's really built on using comedy to enrich the lives of both um, the comedy fans around the world and comedians and, and really bringing the latest in technology innovation to the comedy world, um, which is very unique, I think. Um, and that experience, uh, just to kind of touch on this, since you touched on it, the comedy clubs are a certain size and that's mostly by design. They're limited. They're yeah. limited. They're, they're, they're kind of an intimate setting. Intimate setting, uh, crowd work. You want to see the comedian. Well, because you want the interaction. You want the interaction. That, that's the key of going to a co- good comedy club is it's that it's the comedian and the interaction with the audience. Correct. Correct. Exactly. So, of course, nothing can replace a live setting like that. That said, you know, this platform... Um, you know, our goal is to interconnect all the comedy clubs around the world. So I'm, I'm here from Chicago. Um, I'm talking to you about a couple clubs. You just want to hang out this Friday and see what's playing. Uh, you can with your significant others and friends, just grab some beers and, you know, just plug in and, and stream right into a lot. Not have to worry about the two drink minimum. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not at all. Right. Not at home. And, uh, no, you know, 10 hour travel to it. Um, and of course, you know, being there is being there, but it, there is an environment you can create at home and have just such a great time. Um, just watching something amazing and live and, and enjoying, uh, comedy and just bring it to your lives. But that said, 
that that community is not connected. It's you know every comedy club is its own and um, and distinct. Uh, and then the other thing I think uh, in terms of you know how rapidly the the market is growing. You know there is a ton of comedians around the world. So you know if you want to find a storytelling comic that talks about food in India um, because of this advanced data and analytics, AI capabilities, it will, you know, curate a list for you, even their bits, everything. And then you can check out whether they're, you know, up and coming a certain level and follow them and be like, wow, this is this person or, or family or whatever your topics are. So there's kind of very advanced search capabilities. Um, and then essentially, you know, there's, there's also a interaction between you and the comedian. I wrote a joke this morning. I had, 5,000 followers on my platform, on this platform, I can just post the joke and crowdsource and, and get instant feedback. There'll, there'll be a feedback kind of mechanism. People can just give you feedback and say they love it. They like this. Have you tried this? So now you're crowdsourcing with your fans and saying, hey, you got, you should try this. You tried this over here. It worked. And so now you're building your jokes with your your community and your, your followers. So now everyone's in on it with you. So talk a little bit about the interactive side of things, because again, going to a comedy club, it's that live interaction. How is this platform going to manage the live interaction? Because generative AI is is a place to look to maybe supplement that experience. Um, poten- potentially, on the on, I'll start with the co- comedian side. On their side, because the platform is searching the universe for all crowd reactions. Um, it is, it is creating an, a much broader audience, a br- much broader audience. And so if I'm, if I'm telling a joke to my platform as a comedian to really understand it, I may not have to go to 20,000 clubs and practice the set because I'm, I'm now dealing with an artificial intelligence that is giving me a reaction based on, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of, of crowd reactions, right? And they, and they may score and the platform will score it and give you some feedback and say, Hey, try this. Have your inflection point here. Pause here because it's worked um, with a similar joke in all of these other settings. It's kind of scanning the universe for that. So that's kind of more of the advanced capability. Well, and you wind up getting humor is different. I mean, there's a vernacular to humor, and what might be funny in the East Coast isn't funny on the West Coast, which Correct. isn't funny in the Midwest. Um, so that gives you the ability to tap into okay, what has universal appeal. Or what's my audience this weekend uh, as I'm performing live at a club? And you can test all that out. Absolutely. 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 And that's, I think that's another thing about what you, what is your brand and what, what are you trying to do? I had to go through that process with my movie with Second Date as well. There was a certain, uh, because both characters, one is from India, origin, I mean, his ethnicity, the other person's from Texas. There was more of a racial discussion in the movie. I mean, I, I had to level it in a certain way to make sure it was still comedy, not a, you know, a social discussion. And you got, you got to strike that balance. And similar with this, it's like, what is your brand? Who's your audience? What are you going for? And this platform is, is really set to help you kind of find that, find that voice, find your audience. So when you're looking at uh, a, a platform like this, and I can't wait to, to have it come out because I, I love comedy clubs. I love seeing new comedians, young comedians, uh, because I, I, I like seeing them work at their craft. So I like a lot of the young comedians who are struggling a little bit. Uh, you know, it's not that 
HBO special polished uh, performance that you're going to get that's been very edited and it's going to be spot on. Um, there, there's little nuances with the audience that, okay, maybe I, I, I made a little mistake and, and the audience is very receiving to that. Uh, because they understand that you're working at your craft. Correct. So how does this platform help in that space? To, to it, It's that learning process. It's it's that honing that craft. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on on that in terms of the platform is really meant for that level of comedy. I mean, we have basically, essentially, we have this maturity curve that we've created. Um, there's like levels, one, two, three, four, five. There's different uh, parameters that make someone a one versus a five. Um, and we have it kind of set up that way. Um, but this is really meant for those level one through three, kind of really honing that craft and building, uh, what they want to do. Um, and so that's what, the I think that's what the platform's really geared for, really bringing their, uh, their comedy to light, but improving them so you can see their journey. And just having that reach, you know, you, you know, you kind of jump the entire spectrum from, you know, maybe something in Europe and something in Australia and Canada and the U.S. and South America. And you get a little flavoring from all over the place. Um, yeah, that, that just helps. That, that, that's that's a win. And, and it's a win for connecting people like India, as an example. I'm Indian. When you look at Indian stand-ups, it's growing. Um, so if you've never seen a stand-up from India, go go check them out. Uh, it's really funny, and you get a little view into their, their worlds. More than just the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> the Tech Ranch. Super Talk 1270. Of the Tech Ranch, as we explore the cutting edge of tech with Marlo and Steve. For more exclusive content, Visit thetechranch.com. You're tuned to The Tech Ranch. I'm Steve Bockelang with Marlo Anderson, our guru of geek. And we're talking with Jake Andino, a, an engineer by trade, a comedian and well, is it trade now too? Uh, I would, yeah, we're probably trained. Trained, <laughs> yeah. Retired from that uh, that box existence. Uh, from the billable hour world. You we're, retired we're, from the billable uh, hour we're, world. We're working towards re- <laughs> <laughs> I haven't taken the leap of faith quite yet because, uh, you know, <laughs> there's nowhere to land. But I am no dad. It's like, dad. Uh, and his response is, there's no couches. <laughs> there's no couches. It's like, Dad, wait, wait, wait till the conversation is like, Dad, that's on a nicer couch than now. <laughs> like, that wasn't the question. So, so, building this platform, it, so connecting comedy and, and globally connecting a con, uh, comedy, and I, I'm so looking forward to this. It's fascinating, intriguing. I, I love comedy because it's a great way. Uh, I could sit down and watch a, a new comedian on Netflix or, you know, nothing like a live show, but uh, being able to uh, get lost for an hour and, and watch new comedy and the craft evolve. I, I just absolutely adore that. Um, tell us about some of the platforms, uh, features that you've got building a platform for connecting comedy, having it interactive, having it, uh, you know, through generative AI, a lot of doors open, uh, building that, I don't know, I, I guess it's kind of a comedic camaraderie. Um, with the platform, how are the, the, the nuances integrated in there that feature some of the things that you get at a live experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, just, you know, when we kind of think about the feature set, um, you know, when we think of some, some, something that is more, um, 
you know, from a comedy comedian perspective, I mean, they they first and foremost need to be able to interact um, with the world. Um, and so from that, they have to have the ability to create a digital storefront. Um, you know, as you said earlier in the, in the segment, what's my brand? What's my voice? If you go to my digital storefront, you're going to know that pretty quickly um, just because it is set up in such a way that within minutes, you're going to find the comedian, see their voice, have clips available, um, buy merch because comedians like it when you buy merch. But they'll be merch, <laughs> sure, uh, which is a nice capability. That's an easy plug-in, uh, luckily. Um, so financial services, merch, uh, and you'll just kind of get the latest. You'll get to see their calendar, where they're performing, all of that stuff. So you're basically invited into their kind of digital home, if you will, to meet them. Um, and so the fact that you can search and find from the comedy fan side someone and in a platform that's curated for comedy, I think that's that's the beauty of it. And like I mentioned, now you've met someone, maybe you haven't talked to a, a guy from India, um, you know, grew up here, but a guy from India like me in a while. Um, and so you go home tonight, you're like, hey, I want to I wanna find what's what was Jake talking about, you know, in, in India. And you just suddenly have a universe of cool stories and things. And you're like, wow. And, and the thing I'm going to guarantee when we connect the universe like this through comedy, uh, they're going to say, I have a similar story to that. I didn't realize that happened in China or, or India, or it's going to start, I think, breaking down some of the walls and some of the things that we see on the news and, and all of that stuff pretty quickly. Cause you know, people talk about music being universal. Comedy is universal. Comedy is universal. Because it's about storytelling, a, a big piece of it, and how you adapt that to the audience and to your situation. It, it's the real-life experience we talked about. It's, it's like, Dad, I need to get off the couch because I need real-life experience, right? Life experience, exactly. Um, but that's a universal. It, it's things that everybody goes through. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of is, we're all connected by our humanity and that's the beauty of this. And, and I, I think from a comedian perspective, they have a rich feature set because like you said earlier, if I'm a level one, quote unquote, and I want to get to a level two or three, there's steps that the platform itself is guiding you towards. Hey, you have to do a certain number of open mics. It gives you checklists. It gives you, it connects to all the open mics in your city or wherever city you're in. It, it'll give you a calendar. You build your own calendar. So you're kind of managing your career um, that, of course, they, the fans wouldn't see. But you're as a comedian, you kind of have a set of tools, educational tools, interviews of other comedians. You're going to get this package of things that um, help you really raise your game and, and build your career. Eventually, I mean, this is kind of a long-term goal of a UFC type setting. But if these levels really happened in, in the way we envision it, we would have comedians out there um, through the app, curated through the platform that have live events. We want live events. We want... Oh, I just thought of something very fun. Fives going against fives uh, as as the top card, you know. Oh, comedian deathmatch. Comedian deathmatch, exactly. I'm in. You know. Sign me up. Yeah. And they wouldn't be sparring against each other, but we would have a very... Verbal sparring. You know, yeah. Some, you know, but they would be able to do their sets and... You know, everyone's going to learn uh, and and get to vote and and all that good stuff. So, um, so that's what they get. And then, of course, the comedy fan gets the streaming capability. The they get their own space, but they get to follow all their comedians. Um, they can. It's a social network, so it's just like your Facebook or other, you know, Instagram. But so you can break it down through genre as well, or or different types of comedy. It's like okay, I I, I like mother in law jokes. All right, yeah, here's a comedian or a bunch of comedians for mother in law jokes, or yeah. I like. Uh, G comedy, or I like uh, 
full-blown in-your-face comedy. So you'll be able to find different comedians that cater to that audience. Correct. Like, so if you think of someone like Sebastian Maniscalco, he grew up in the town next to mine, the most famous comedian in the world, amazing. His father is the Italian background, so you want to kind of see some Italian kind of comedy or, or Italian ethnicity comedy, or you want to see his act outs, people that just do the performance. Some comedians are um, like Nate Bargatze is, is so chill. He's like, I don't know how to describe him. He's like a Jedi master. That's the only way I can. He Sometimes he has his hand behind his back and it just, he's the most funniest person on the planet. And he's just so calm, you know, and then you got someone like Sebastian. Well, he's not Stephen Wright call, but... <laughs> But he's, he's, he's just, he has a pulse. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, and then, um, but then you have, you know, someone like Sebastian who's just so animated. And so you can find anything you want from different countries through this platform and follow that genre. As you said, it kind of breaks down comedy very scientifically into what you're looking for, what makes you laugh. And, and that's the goal of the app. See, I think that's a cool part too, is you can tap in all the different countries. So it's like, okay, I like this type of humor. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what's that type of humor in India or that type of humor in Germany or England? Because they are they all have a little different flavor to them. Mm-hmm. But being able to tap into that same thread, that same storyline and that type of comedy, but there's a twist. Absolutely. There's like there's a comedian, um, Rafi Bastos, who's um, Brazilian, who's who's now really making a splash in the U.S., but he's very famous abroad. Um, but he's famous now getting much more famous here because he's out here doing his thing. But through the platform, you're going to discover so many other people from different countries. And, um, yeah, I think hopefully it'll be that amazing experience. So just bring some laughs into people's lives. There's a lot going on. People are... <laughs> There's some mental weight on many people uh, these days, it feels like. So just need to. And I've seen that through corporate America. So I'm just like, let's try to use a platform to to bring comedy to life. So. so with COVID and a lot of people didn't get out to comedy clubs, a lot of people just they kind of shut down and closed off their, their own lives. And you wound up seeing more social media stuff. Where do you see social media's impact on an art like comedy? Um, because a lot of, I mean, there's so many different platforms out there to tap into. Okay, you can go watch somebody on a YouTube channel or everybody thinks they're famous on TikTok. Um, but, you know, you're kind of locked into the algorithms and you're locked into, okay, this is what we're going to offer you. Your platform opens all that up. It, it blows the doors wide open. You can go, I'm going to go find this person or this person or this type of comedy. And all these different options come streaming towards you. Yes. Yes. It, it, it really does attempt to put the power back into the user's hands. It's really about the user experience. Because I think a lot of the social media platforms, they've taken some of that power away from the user. Correct. Correct. The algorithm is, uh, doing its thing and it's it is serving you content uh which some you want some you're like how did how did this happen um at least for me it's probably 50 50 um and of course there will be um some serving of content on this but it's more about the user's preferences that we would capture up front on what they want um what level of of content serving they want um and you know all the way from zero to a hundred 
but um in general it's really meant for you to search the world you to find kind of what you're looking for what makes you laugh um and and it it's advanced analytics will search um through streams of data and this is structured and unstructured this is things like someone said some joke somewhere in some club they posted it'll it'll help you connect with that person and and see if they you know they're on the platform and you can follow them any other cool features that we need to know about uh no i think i feels like i hit on a, a lot of the you know probably the maybe i'll i'll leave with one final one the we're we're hoping the skin you know how uh, some of these platforms that have been around for a long time like the youtubes and such great performance they do what they were planned to do this is very curated a comedy so if you if you love clowns me personally i'm very scared of clowns but if someone <laughs> loves clowns uh and they want to you know well, so I shouldn't give you this big red balloon that I have over here behind the console, right? The fact that there is a balloon that, no, uh, so, as I inch away towards the door here, uh, why is the door locked? No, um, no, yeah. Why is the lock on the wrong side? Wait, wait a minute. But yeah, it's like, if that, if that's what makes you happy after work, you just want to see a bunch of clowns as you're interacting with stand up, uh, comedians, you will have, you know, you will let's let's get some clowns on your on your page, you know. So it's very it's meant to like really bring out uh, comedy and and you know your view of comedy. Um, so a little bit more customization. It's really focused on that experience. It allows the user to to populate their own page, to populate their own page, and and really you know create their own uh, safe haven for comedy and their escape uh, from their lives. So. Yeah. So from the artist standpoint, from the comedian standpoint, um, how interactive are they going to be with this platform? Uh, hopefully they're on it 24-7, you know, because one, you know, first off, you're, you've now created a space to interact with your fans. So and fans are going to be interacting with you. So you're now out there uh, just like you'd be in a public setting and people are going to be reaching out. Second, you got a career to manage, right? Stand up, as you said earlier in the segment, is probably one of the hardest things to do. So you got to be working, uh, you know, doing your tight five, tight 10. So you're managing your career through the platform. Um, and then, you know, third, hopefully you're, you're starting to elevate to that level four or five and doing major live events. That's where, you know, you can really promote your, your platform and, and, Back to that streaming opportunity. If you're a stand-up, kind of making your way up, you may get 70 people in a club. It's great. You got your name out there. Imagine, you know, 5,000 people streamed in that night. So now you got 5,070 people that have seen you that evening versus you cutting your clips, going to YouTube, trying to build these followers. Like this is, this can elevate who you are as a comedian pretty quickly. Um, so you want to be actively on it. So as a comic, what's, uh, you know, it, it, kind of the old paradigm was, you know, there were benchmarks. It's like, okay, you made it when you hit Madison Square Garden or you made it when you played this venue or this venue or this venue. Um, it, it did those big theater shows. Um, does that still hold the same value as it used to? Or is now I have exposure to millions of people through the internet is there a difference from an artist's perspective of, okay, do you still have those benchmarks that, hey, I made it because I mm -hmm. performed here? Uh, I think those benchmarks never go away, um, definitely, right? If you if you have performed, let's just say, you know, I think let's talk about Aziz Ansari. He's performed at Madison Square Garden. 
that's that's legendary. That's iconic. <laughs> that is, if you can ever say you performed at Madison Square Garden, you are there. There's nothing that can take that away. But there is something for the thousands of other comedians that may or may not ever get that chance to at least measure where they are through benchmarks. And I, I kind of, you know, through our team, we put together uh, a number of levels, you know. So level one is kind of your, you have your tight five, you're getting started, you're putting together your material. Um, level two is kind of... Before oh, we get yeah. into the levels, and I want to save that for the next section. Sure, sure. So how do you get to the point where you can start on the levels? Uh, I think, uh, you know, something has... Put, is that the class clown? I think something has pushed you to be a class clown and get out there and just tell your... You, you're telling stories out there. Why not do it on in an open mic? That's probably your starting point. Okay, so I, I, I've got all these thoughts going through my head. It's like, how do you gather the material or does it just naturally come to you? It's, it's like, again, life experience. A lot of life experience. Yes, I think... Uh, yeah, no, a lot of life experience. I think you're gonna you're gonna have this. You know, I I had a hemorrhoid. Became a funny story. <laughs> it's still funny. <laughs> the Tech Ranch Super Talk twelve seventy Ranch. Let's rejoin Marlo and Steve as they guide us through the fascinating world of technology. You're tuned to the Tech Ranch. I'm Steve Bakken, along with Marlo Anderson, our guru geek, who is out of the studio at the moment. Uh, we're talking with Jake and Dino. Uh, he is a an engineer by trade, um, not the choo-choo train one, um, and uh, he's a comedian, so uh, has written a screenplay, uh, extensive background. It, we're talking about the crossroads between um, comedy and technology. Now, as an engineer and going through COVID and things, uh, you were sitting down a lot. <laughs> which tends to lead to some medical issues and you you've got a very funny I'm a little remiss to call it a joke because it it's a legitimate medical concern but it's a funny story that that is that is very true it's not funny while it's happening <laughs> <laughs> but when you share it with an audience later it's hilarious it is hilarious cuz hope yeah i think if you're if you're a human being you will have a hemorrhoid at some point in your life uh it could either come from sitting or eating a lot of spicy foods uh I, i'm in indian by ethnicity we have no spicy, spicy food there no <laughs> no sir <laughs> And so uh, I did have a uh, hemorrhoid over the pandemics, pandemic, and it was one of those things. I scheduled a doctor's appointment, and uh, you know I was surprised to see a Zoom link uh, in in the uh, in my email. It was a virtual consult, and so I get on this uh, Zoom link, and um, you know she, the doctor, a couple minutes in is like, "Can I see it?" and you know, I've been on Zoom work calls for about four months. I don't even know where to look when I'm looking at someone. I, I haven't made eye contact with a human okay, being. Okay, question, though. I, I do have to ask, on all these Zoom calls for work, were you wearing pants? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just yeah. I to check. <laughs> were you wearing pants for doctors, though, Zoom call? Perhaps, uh, no worries, but I was, I was clothed. Uh, so, you know, and, you know, and so uh, it was one of those things uh you know, uh, that fast forwarded into, you know, a, uh, you know, a, a big story online. And I think you were t talking about, um, where does it come from? But the story itself was it life is there's humor around all of us. And so this happened to me, um, not to do my bit here, but the story itself was, you know, I had to get a, a shot of Botox, uh, 
Yes, it is not for your face. Botox also works to freeze um, muscles in that area, apparently, for it to heal. Uh, so, but what the doctor failed to mention is that you lose control of your gas. So I'm on. So I'm on a date, and it go. It's going well. We hang out at my place, and you know, she puts her hand on my leg, and I was, you know, I had the butterflies because I haven't even seen a human being in months. This is post pandemic. And but it wasn't those butterflies; it was the gas bubble butterflies. And uh, you know, and she. So the doctor fails to mention you lose control of your your gas. So like, um, there's a couple things you know you take for granted in life, like clean water, clean air, and that muscle that controls. Sphincter <laughs> control is very important. Area, <laughs> you know, and and so this is what it looks like, kind of to use you know every muscle in the human body to control the one you can. I'm using my trapezoid to close it, and. And so my date is like, what is going on here? So, uh, yep, I'm still single. Uh, so unfortunately, <laughs> did not get a second date. Did not get a second date. That's why I had to write the movie. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and so, you know, and, and it was very painful experience, both on not getting that kiss and of having uh, an injury to your sphincter, if you will. Uh, so, okay. Uh, so yeah. stories like that are what lead up to, okay. I've got funny things that happen in my life, and and I want to go down the road of comedy. Now, you've developed different levels of kind of the progression of a comedy career. Correct. Yeah, I think, you know, it was more because we wanted to break down uh, from a platform. How do we, we're helping comedians. We have to understand, uh, you know, some metrics, right, uh, the, the way to measure uh, your performance or where you're at in a career, you have to develop some metrics. And, and I, I'm hoping personally that the metrics evolve over time and, and get built through the community. This is a starting point. Um, just from my own personal experiences, but story becomes, Hey, I've told this a few times and people are really loving it. People hey, are I got a hemorrhoid, you know, you got a hemorrhoid here. Uh, you know, uh, don't try to kiss someone while you have it, I guess. Uh, it could turn out poorly. Uh, so, um, and so then that becomes a, let me try this on stage. Uh, and you may just always have the itch. So go find your open mics. And is that another hemorrhoid joke? I had to ask. And so, uh, yeah. So then you develop your type five and, and you're doing your type five and that could be just one story. And that's kind of your level one. You're at open mics. You're, you're telling, uh, stories and, and, and jokes, then, of course, you're understanding what a premise is, what a setup is, what a punchline is. You're kind of going through the well, how do you write a joke? And you're inserting those jokes because a story is a story, but sometimes a story is just the punchline. You got to have the jokes every five, seven seconds, right? As you're telling a story to entertain the crowd. So now you suddenly built 10 minutes. You're at that level two. Then you suddenly have almost 20 minutes. Um, and you're, you're, coming out as an opener for other comedians and 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 or you're even featuring now you're at level three um and then if you're kind of getting at level four you are regularly at your circuit in your city you're a feature every weekend um and then level five you're kind of at that headliner you're you're the main act you're you're the 30 minute act at you know the end and you get the hbo special you're your showtime special now you got the specials and and so this this platform is really trying to track your levels where you are. There'll be different measures. Um, and like I said in the earlier segment, hopefully we would really connect people that are level one. So now you have a network of comedians and you're 
everyone's partnering together. Well, it, it's kind of changed a little bit too because if you go back to late night television 15 years ago, that was kind of the the launching point for a lot of comedians, just like musical artists and and they've gotten away from that a little bit. Um but that used to be, hey, you want to get your career launched, get on Leno. Uh you want to get your career launched, get on Johnny Carson back in the day. That was kind of that, okay, we're going to push you out of the nest now because if you can make it on late night television with one of these legends of late night comedy, then you've probably got a pretty good shot to make it. And, and that's where television careers started. And, and a lot of people had their, their jump off point. That's very true. That is true. And how's that change? Because I don't see that anymore. I, I mean, I try to stay up and watch late night TV. It's past my bedtime, but you don't see that launch vehicle in that form anymore that's another space where your platform your your vehicle can fill another gap yeah absolutely and 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 i would say you know that that creating that network of people that are following someone you know in this case you mentioned jay leno or conan or these you know the legends of late night um they have a following they have a platform and you're on it and you are doing your set and that is a launch pad absolutely um but now those channels have significantly increased um and those channels because now other people that are in their own right uh have a following and and are famous they have podcasts you're on those segments and and doing some stand-up as well or other places um that's where you're really kind of now you there, there's just so many more channels there's just so What's after level five? Is it, okay, I'm a TV star now, or I'm a movie star, or you're getting into the projects? Uh, actually, after level five, you'll never have a hemorrhoid again. <laughs> so, so, you know, it just stops. You know, there's a lot of good stories that start with, hey, I've got a hemorrhoid. <laughs> uh, we're talking with Jake Andino. If you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology. The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 1270. From America's number one travel radio show, this is your RM World Travel Minute. I'm Mary Carey. Thanks for joining me today. Imagine a bike trip from one coast to the other across our country on a safe and scenic paved pathway. Or imagine walking along a trail that clearly points out historic facts about the community the trail runs through. Well, the Great American Rail Trail, which is a longtime project of the Rails to Trails Conservancy, is underway in many American communities, as you're hearing my voice today. The Great American Rail Trail is a series of paved trails that will Connect America via 3,700 miles along 145 railroad trails and greenways. Just over 50% of the project has been completed, but many states and communities do have the plans underway for work to begin. This cross-country multi-use trail will span from Washington, D.C. to Washington State, passing through 12 states. If you want to see the full route and the progress, just check out railstotrails.org. There's a lot of fun and really interesting info there for you. And for more travel info, you can connect with us anytime at rmworldtravel.com. Until the next time, happy trails, everyone. This is the Pet Minute. I'm Steve Dale. A breakthrough for cats in pain. Next.
Your dog loves going to the dog park and seeing his buddies. Maybe sometimes when you travel, he gets to hang out with friends at his favorite boarding facility. Social dogs like yours need more protection than most. By pairing Bordetella Protection, also known as Kennel Cough, with immunity against canine influenza, we can help ensure these dogs stay healthy. Merck Animal Health wants you to talk with your veterinarian about pairing up for protection with vaccines for your dog for kennel cough and the canine influenza virus. Don't wait. Vaccinate. Studies show our cats, especially our aging cats, are very likely to have pain, but they can be really good at hiding it, says Dr. Mike Petty. Every cat 10 years and older has some degree of osteoarthritis. So if you have an older cat, you just aren't seeing it. A new product can help, and the results have truly been amazing so far. Ask your veterinarian if Silencia is right for your cat. For the Pet Minute, I'm Steve Dale. XXAM, Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio. The latest from ABC News. I'm Michelle Franzen. At least 1,000 people confirmed dead after the powerful earthquake struck in Morocco. A frantic search for survivors underway with crews digging through the rubble. Several hundreds are recorded dead and scores more injured after a massive earthquake rocked several regions of Morocco during the night. Countless buildings collapsed or were damaged by the quake, including a mosque in the old town of Marrakesh. The death toll is expected to rise as search and rescue operations reach remote mountainous areas, seismologists say that this earthquake is a rare event in this zone. Ibtisam Genfood, ABC News, Marrakesh, Morocco. The G20 summit in India started today, the two-day gathering of world leaders focusing on economic strategies and security. President Biden, along with India's Prime Minister Modi, introduced the Global Biofuels Alliance. The goal? To help facilitate cooperation and create sustainable biofuels and invest in rail systems in developing countries like Africa. The president says the alliance is about laying tracks and also investing in the future. The world stands at an inflection point in history, a point where decisions we make today are going to affect the course of our future, our future, all of our futures for decades to come. The president will also make a stop in Vietnam after the summit wraps tomorrow. In Pennsylvania, the search for escaped inmate Danello Calvaconte is now in its second weekend. Police focusing on the Longwood Gardens area a few miles from the Chester County Prison where he scaled a wall. ABC's Morgan Norwood has more. As authorities look to close in, the prison guard officials say was in the observation tower the day Calvaconte broke out of the Chester County facility, now fired. Investigators say the 18-year veteran at the prison failed to see the daring escape, but surveillance cameras caught it all. Calvaconte scales a brick wall at the prison's recreation yard before eventually making a break from the facility. You're listening to ABC. Super Talk 1270, Bismarck Area Weather. With your forecast, I'm Corey Hartman. For today, becoming mostly sunny, we'll see a high near 67 this afternoon. For tonight, mostly cloudy, lows around 49. 68 the high Sunday, 66 on Monday. We'll see lows Sunday and Monday night in the mid-40s. 68 Tuesday. Are you behind on your tax payments? Call Tax Solutions now for help. 800-281-8193. Right now, it's 65. 
question. What will you find on all over-the-counter or OTC medicine packages to help you choose the right drug and use it safely? The answer, the drug facts label. This label lists the medicine's active ingredients and purpose, how much to take, and warnings you should know before using it. Remember, even OTC medicines you buy without a prescription can cause side effects you don't want. So follow the information listed on the drug facts label. For more information, visit fda.gov slash drug facts label. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Talk of the Town with Steve Bakken. Weekday mornings starting at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Portions of the following program are pre-recorded. Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. Talking with Jake Andino, a comedian, former well, recovering uh, engineer, um, which actually has served you well, Jake, because it's given you the opportunity to build that platform, that comedy platform that I am so looking forward to, that connectivity for comedy. I, I love a good comedian. I love uh, comedy. And, and comedy varies depending on the mood I'm in as well. So the ability to do that interactively in a home setting and, and um not have to wait until I travel to a big city to see one of the big uh, benchmark comedy clubs that have different levels of talent, it, you know, compared to, a, say, an open mic night, which it, it's got its nuances, uh, but there's something about, uh, you know, you talked about the levels, maybe a level two or three comedian versus somebody who's just starting out, just starting to get a handle on their craft, which is the that open mic setting. Um the AI stuff and the technology involved. Um, Marlo and I talk a lot about uh, artificial intelligence and, and what it means down the road, where it is today to, to where it is down the road. How do you see that evolving um, from just a, a general perspective and, of course, your take in the comedy world? Yeah, I think, it, well, in a general perspective, uh, the fact of, uh, you know, self-learning Right. If so, if someone if some some entity we'll call it AI for for AI I usually call it Skynet. But that's <laughs> I a little darker that way. Uh, is has the ability to connect uh, with you know all data assets. That's where things get a little bit scary, right? If you programmed an AI for a certain purpose and it has access to only a certain set of data, you may be okay. But when that data expands to Google level, um, that's when it can then understand and process other data. And if its primary objective is something very simple, it could get dangerous quickly if its only primary objective is something simple. And so I think there is a, uh, you know, a Pandora's box that is opened here um, with it. But at the same time, there is no other way forward at the end of the day. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like the atomic bomb. It, it has to see its course through. Not that that I'm comparing the Okay, two. I'm having this vision of the atomic hemorrhoid <laughs> in my head now after the, the, you know, the, the, that joke. Uh, yes, but it's this level of, uh, but it, it, I think at the end of the day, uh, it is going to enrich everyone's life in a positive way. Um, so 
Do you see it only going so far and then maybe there's a tipping point on going from enrichment to something a little bit more nefarious? Um, and Marlo and I have this debate all the time on, uh, you know, because if you think about where the government is right now and, and does the government have um, a duty to put some constraints on AI versus, well, if you put some constraints on it, we're going to follow up behind other countries that are developing AI as well. Um, it, it brings up some very difficult questions that need to be answered. Uh, what's your take? Should there be some controls on it? Should you just let it develop on its own? Uh, what are your thoughts uh, coming from the engineering world? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, if, if AI becomes more intelligent than the human race, um, which I believe is inevitable, I think... Um, that could serve as a problem, right? And I think that problem is inevitable. Inevitable. But is AI way in the future? I'm saying is AI just a culmination of the entire human race, or is it? You know, now, now you started getting the theological thing, yeah. and you're like, okay, well, now it's omnipotent. No, mm, yeah. uh, but is AI just a culmination of what the entirety of the human race is? Well, I. I you know, you Which think, means that it can only get so far. Well, if you think of genetic evolution and not to get to God versus other things, it just there's a, there is an evolution from a genetic perspective. You know, life evolves. Um, we've seen it in all of our history and lineage, lineage on the earth uh, and where humans kind of come from, where they're headed. Is there a limit um, or do we need to wait a million years to evolve? With AI, uh, genetic engineering, the culmination of multiple advancements in multiple fields, at some point, humans transition to potentially something else, right? Um, I, I believe it is uh, Elon Musk who's now inserted a chip into the human brain, and now there's connectivity with the whole, potentially connectivity to the whole world. At some point, um, do are we AI ourselves, right? Um, so it's not AI going to you know, wipe us out. We're just evolving to something different. And of course, and we all become the Matrix. We all become the Matrix, or or maybe uh, to your Skynet. <laughs> we all become Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, which isn't a bad thing. So, uh, so, so I think there is something that you know there is an intersection of the two. So it may not be them wiping us out. It's just us evolving to something different. So now let's talk about the AI on the comedy side, and where do you see AI? having a role in the evolution of comedy or, you know, like your platform, which I'm still very excited for. Uh, but um, is AI as good as you at writing jokes or will it be? Uh, well, it, it can help you with, um, you know, so a couple of things, I think both from the user perspective, the comedy fan, we'll call them and the comedian, anyone on it, um, it is curated for comedy. So if you're texting with your significant other or someone who you want to be your significant other and you're asking it to give you some lines and jokes and, and fun things to say, it will help you um, because it's meant to insert comedy into your life, wherever that may be. It could be, you know, you want to add some punchlines to a, a cooking instructions you're sending someone, you know, it it's meant for that purpose. So there is that level of interaction, um, more great, greater, if a, if the AI engine is scanning the universe, if you will, the earth for all crowd reactions um, to every single joke, it is learning and understanding what, what makes people tick, what are those laugh triggers. Um, and if you then perform to your digital twin, we're calling this the digital twin of, of comedy, it's your twin, 
your twin is just more advanced because they've been everywhere you want to be, you know, because as a human being, you can only be in so many places at once. And to test out your jokes, you only have so much time on the planet. In this case, you've now scaled that infinitely, right? Because you've been to Belgium, even if you haven't been to Belgium, because you have an AI twin that's been to Belgium and has seen all the crowd reactions. And so you can do your 20 minutes to your to your AI digital twin and get reactions, get scores and go, hey, based on everything that's out there in that country, this is what's probably going to work. This is where you got to have some inflection points and other things. So that's where AI can really enrich what you're doing as a, as a performer. I'm just thinking about this whole twin thing. I'm like, God, I want to watch the football game. I don't want to go to that beauty shower with my wife. And you need to, I'm going to send the digital twin. You need the human digital twin. Yeah, yeah I need the human <laughs> digital twin. That's what I need. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So with the evolution of AI, I mean, again, coming back to the, the question, do you let it evolve on its own or should there be some constraints on it? Yeah, those are, I think, the societal questions that uh, seem to be, uh, you know, permeating across the tech community. Uh, you know, for for me, I'm I'm focused on comedy. Uh, let it evolve and go become Jerry Seinfeld, uh, whatever it wants to be, because it's all positive. It's meant to bring positively positivity into everyone's lives, um, but more broadly and greatly for humanity. Um, there is a very interesting. Um, segment I watched with Google's um, CEO recently and and that he, he his argument was um, well humans are also unconstrained why should we constrain anything else you know because we're unpredictable as well and if you have humans in a setting you know we're everyone's unpredictable so he's basically saying there's no other I think to that level of there's no other greater um, there's not a greater danger by any means because we're as, we're as unpredictable. So I, I don't, I, it's an interesting question, uh, to say the least. Um, but to me, once it's open, it's open. There's constraining it. It's going to be constraints. Once it's out of the box, it's just that, that's, let it go. That's where I'm, I, I think that's where, you know, hopefully you, you steer it in the direction you need as a, as a, I, you know, I think our advancements in medical technology, our advancements, whether it's comedy, medical technology, Everything that we need as a race, um, we need to protect protect the planet, get off the planet soon, uh, hopefully, right? Space travel, everything like that. Like we need to, we need to, we we do need to let it go, or you know, we don't have limited time on the planet. So when you're looking at uh, what that path looks like, you know, dipping into your tech side of things, what what do you see as a, a timeline with AI? Because you know, I can see things advancing very rapidly. You, you mentioned some of the medical stuff and the advances in medicine have been unbelievably forceful. I mean, just moving forwards, leaps and bounds to the point where, um, you know, the med schools and things, you can't keep up. It's like, here, I just learned that and now it's outdated. Um we see that in technology all the time. Hey, I just got a new phone. Yeah, well, that was yesterday. And here's the new, new, new phone. Um, or we see that in technology all the time. Uh, we see that in, in medical practice. Do you see a, a timeline or a, a time curve on artificial intelligence? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, I believe in the next, it, it feels like to me with everything, with how rapidly it's, it's here, right? Um, the number of users that, 
something like a, a chat GPT level AI has gained is exponentially faster um, and it's learning from it exponentially faster than other previous platforms like a Google, et cetera. There's exponential growth. And so now at this point, um, if we think about the next, uh, you know, decade, um, it is, it is going to be, we'll, we will be living in a, in a completely different, you know, set of parameters. So when you're looking at that paradigm shift, that advancement, um, you know, what the timeline looks like, um, how fast we advance. My question is, because, you know, it, it, depending on who you talk to, it's like we've maybe unleashed 10% of the human brain. I see some opportunities to unleash much more than 10% through artificial intelligence. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you know, I think as we look at, um, kind of where, where the next advances are, are coming from. If you're interacting with something that is learning at an exponential rate, um, I think that's where, that's where, um, that, yeah, I think that's where I think we, so it could be more of a tool. It's more of a tool. I'll say more of a tool. Yep. The Tech Ranch. Good branch. Let's rejoin Marlo and Steve as they guide us through the fascinating world of technology. We're talking with Jake Andino, comedian, uh, reformed, I, I like that term, reformed, <laughs> uh, engineer. Uh, we're talking about uh, the the nexus of comedy and where it intersects with technology, and we're talking about artificial intelligence at the moment. Um, Jake, when you, when you look at the artificial intelligence and uh, we talk about it being a tool, so how do you see us utilizing artificial intelligence as a tool to, because I see where we were three months ago, where we are today, where we're going to be in three months or three days. It, it, it's evolving. So where do you see the usefulness as a tool to the human race? Yeah. So I, I think as, so now that the construct is in place, it is constantly learning, you know, so um, I think ChatGPT had a certain data set that it worked with in version two. I, I believe version four is is now out. And so as in the comedy world, that data set, whether it's, you know, written, it's um, bits that are on stage, it's from movie clips, um, it is constantly learning what is making, generating those laughs. Um, and so as that data set grows, um, it is an absolute tool because then it's it's going to enrich um, the toolkit of the comedian, um, the toolkit of, uh, uh, comedy fans trying to find those comedians. Um, so all of your answers and responses when you're interacting with AI for comedy, the answers get more and more surgically curated, if you will, because the tool set, the, t- the data set is so much larger. So I think in the next five years, that data set's going to grow, you know, exponentially. Uh, and then you're kind of dealing with someone that, an, an, an entity, if you will, a comic entity, hopefully, uh, that can really respond to almost anything, any joke you're writing, any anything you're putting together. So I, I'm a big fan of movie one-liners. I, I love movie one-liners. I, I love quoting movies. Um, some of the best comedy gold out there. Um, I would love to know them all. It's like, Rolodex, boom. Can AI help with that? Is that where um, 
the interactiveness with a almost like educating the audience mm. I guess would probably be the best term or the best phrase is if the ability to as a comedian utilize AI for your craft but then educate the audience in what you're doing as a performer um, there's a crossroads there mm-hmm. yeah so uh, I I have a joke about vaping you know I, I kind of hate how how um, popular vapings become you know it used to be like fun when you know you just had a cigarette dangling from your mouth now these kids are you know taking a puff out of a USB port you know and it's like <laughs> what, what are we doing here you know uh, and there is a one-liner that I'm I'm kind of working on working on on stage it's kind of you know imagine uh you know Clint Eastwood in the in the movie where he's just like go ahead make my day then he pulls out a vape with a unicorn sticker on it and and puffs on it like the whole movie was the same the whole movie was acted differently uh you know a pack of chihuahuas would have came and like you know mauled Clint they would have killed Clint in the movie you know <laughs> And uh, so speaking of these kind of one-liners, uh, yes, AI, I think, you know, it, it can curate all the one-liners for you. And I needed a one-line that would really had that impact in that joke. And to me, I did a lot of research. I tried to find, you know, it, Arnold Schwarzenegger or others where there's a confrontational moment where then you can insert this unicorn stickered vape that the person pulled out. To have ruined his, I would be back and pull it up. <laughs> yeah, not not the same effect. Not the same effect with the unicorn uh, vape. Uh, so unicorn sticker vape. So so that that's one just real example of of where you know you kind of said something about a one liner. I actually needed a one liner. Um, but to your point, in the general fan public, so that's for comedians, you know, because they intersect movies quite a lot with right. one liners and such. And then of course the comedy comedian, the comedy fans. Um, it's all about comedy, so it will have that ability for search of, you know, comedy movies and and all of that good stuff, and and can curate a list for you on any topic, you know. So it'd be bits, comedy movies, everything, because that's what it's scanning for, and and in, in, and it's enriching its data set to to really serve you in your query. So so going back to your platform for a little bit, you know, the ability to, I mean, kind of warehouse all things funny. It is, yes. And, and, and more importantly, it's, it's compiling and curating, uh, what you're searching for, whether it is a comedian, whether it is a one liner, it's an answer. You've asked something, whether it's, Hey, I really like this girl. This is our interaction so far. It's curating everything else out there to help you, you know, come up with that one joke that's just gonna maybe land, uh, with, with this person. Um, I'm guessing it would tell you, don't say, hey, I've got a hemorrhoid and um, <laughs> don't pass gas, right? Don't pass gas. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, Jake, I know you want to say this, but, but, dot, dot, dot. Well, this may work. And we all have that little voice in the back of our heads. Like, don't say that. There's yeah. some things that you should not say out loud. Maybe AI, the voice of reason a little bit. Uh, put, I mean, in this, this platform is meant to curate the world of comedy, right? And there's other things you can ask. There's Siri out there and other, other platforms. And I'm sure there's some fun stuff it will tell, tell you, but we're, we're really trying to gear towards comedy punchlines and, and funny things. So, um, it, it does end up becoming somewhat of your, it could become your, your 
personal comedian best friend, if you will, because it's you're interacting with it in that sense. Um, you're interacting with the platform to escape from your all of your mental stresses, everything going on at work or anywhere else, and you get on the platform. That's what it's meant to do. Does it become what you're stating? I think so. At some point, you're like, you're going there to have a fun time. You want to see clowns on the background and people talking about hemorrhoids and, you know, everything else? Let's go. You know, let's, I want to be with my best friend in my, my playground, you know? You know, Mel Brooks, uh, <laughs> Mel Brooks once said, it's like, never underestimate the value of a good fart joke. Yeah, you know, it, it, absolutely. It, it, it's true. It, it really is. But it's also the timeliness. So timing is everything. In comedy, timing is everything. Um, do you see AI picking up on the timing side of that? Or, or is that more of a human uh, nuance? Uh, I think... Uh, absolutely, it would pick up on it because it's searching for crowd reactions, right? And it knows, you know, what has kind of worked. And given it's really focused on all levels of comedy, that's where I think it's special where things, like you said, the timing is you, you just need that comedic pause to then lay out. Pause for effect. For the for the joke. Yeah. You know, um, I I have a one liner where, you know, my my when I was six, my parents sent me to India for, um, you know, to my dad did to be the perfect mix of American and Indian, if you will, from East India. Uh, and so, uh, I got the right or the wrong side of the tracks, <laughs> right? And, and I, and so, and I went there with Nikes and, you know, what, whatever else. I came back barefoot in a, in a loincloth. Like my, like my grandparents took all my clothes and sent me back. <laughs> and, and I didn't even know, I didn't know uh, English. He was talking to his, my, my dad's just freaking out, going crazy, you know? And it's kind of like if you're, if your parents sent you to summer camp to learn just a little bit about nature and you came back as a grizzly bear, you know, it's <laughs> pretty much what happened. Um, but that, that one liner of the pause is kind of critical. You pause and you came back as a grizzly bear. I'm like, you're back. Um, because, you know, you want your, your audience to anticipate what, what, what's he about to say. And, and that's where AI will help. That is better than coming back as a hemorrhoid. That is very true. I, you know, I, I do recognize one group of people who are going to hate this platform. Teachers, you're going to create a whole lot of class clowns. The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 1270. Technology comes alive. Let's dive back into the conversation with Marlo and Steve. And don't forget to check out thetechranch.com for more. You're tuned to the Tech Ranch. We're talking about the intersection of comedy and technology. And we're talking with Jake and Dino, uh, Marlo out of the studio at the moment. But, uh, Jake, I wanted to come back to your movie a little bit. We talked about it earlier. And you've written a screenplay. Um, it's a romantic comedy which stemmed from your night terrors and nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, and some personal experience. Yeah, and a few personal experiences. I, I thought... The terrors and the nightmares coming from the personal experiences, I hope, too bad. But no, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm still a little fascinated on the thread going from that to, hey, let's write a romantic comedy. But um, it, 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 it's an entering, interesting intersection as well because you're marrying some different genres that, okay, they're so different that it's probably going to work. Yeah. Well, you know, I... Oh, it's called Second Date. Second Date, yeah. Second Date. Second Date, yep. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I went to Iowa State uh, for college, uh, and I grew up in Chicago. Um, born in India, 
uh, but grew up in Chicago, uh, came here when I was a baby, uh, but went to Iowa State. And uh, in Chicago, we're not exposed to country music, I would say, um, unless you know where to find it. And now I do, of course. Um, but as an 18-year-old, I'll, I'll never forget, there was Shania Twain was in town, you know, and people were like, oh, you got to go to this country concert. And I was like, you know, I'm from Chicago. Yeah, exactly. We're not, we're not doing that. You know, never heard of it. I don't even know what country is. Uh, and I got to say about, I would say four to five minutes into that concert, I was like in another world. I was like this, I was blown away of like how happy I was. Um, I was like singing, man, I feel like a woman. I was, you know, I was, I was all, oh, I, I, that, that's got to be a scene in the movie. It, it, that, I got to see that. And it's got to be a scene in the movie. I was dancing around. I was just in heaven. And, and I've been hooked ever since. I go to country concerts all the time. Um, you know, I got, saw Morgan Wallen this summer. It was the best night of my life. I, I, so I just love old school country, new school country. I saw the Judds. I've, I just, and, and so I was so engrossed in that concept. And then there was, of course, my background, um, and knowing a lot of Bollywood and that culture. And, um, you know, this comedy started forming about our differences, but in, in reality, we're, we're all really, really the same. And, and so these two best friends, I'm, I'm trying to picture a country song with a Bollywood bass line. It's, it's, <laughs> We're going to do it. It's not doing it in my head, but I, I'm very intrigued. We are. We are going to do it. Um, and so there's a, uh, you know, essentially these two best friends. One is, you know, from Texas who moves to Chicago, has the accent. And so when I was a kid, um, so my, uh, you know, uh, full name is Jaya Kumar. It means, you know, victory and valor. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what I say anyways. But uh, and now I've changed that to Jake, J-A-I-K. Um, so in the movie, uh, this occurs um, and the teacher is like, Jaya, Jaya, like, you know, trying to either take a dump or, you know, <laughs> try to say my name. Either way, it's not working well. So, and I'm the only, you know, minority in the room. So I'm embarrassed. I'm like, go to Mike, you know, go to whoever else. Let's move it, move the train, name train along. We're, we're good. Um, and so in, in the movie, Wyatt has, you know, recently moved from Texas and he's like, let's call him Jaik, you know, the way he says Jake is kind of phonetically spelled J-I-K. And that's what I have kind of written in, in our, in our script. And so it's these two best friends trying to find love. You know, truth be told, a lot of Texans you can't understand him anyways. <laughs> and he and he is an aspiring country singer, and these two individuals in their thirties are are trying to find love. Um, a series of bad dates in the beginning of the movie. There's some real fun stuff, um, but then it evolves to let's get a matchmaker, let's get some help. And they think they find the love of their lives, uh, and what happens is, um, you know, the dates don't go like they planned. They went go back to the matchmaker, and the matchmaker's tells me, my character, that uh, I'm not masculine enough. And that happened to me in real life, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and so I don't know what that means. Uh, and so I was like, and we had such a wonderful first date. Oh, my God. I was in love uh, with this woman. I, I don't know what it was. We closed down the bar. It was three hours. You mentioned this earlier, though. You're still single, right? I am still single. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I just, it's just a preface. Then. Yeah. And so she, so that's the feedback the matchmaker gives me that that's what the lady said. So I didn't know. It's like, okay, just the neck, just give, give me one more chance, one more day. Just she can point to someone. I'll just slap him, you know? And he's like, I don't think that means masculine, you know, slap. No. Yes. You can't just slap someone. Uh, maybe punch, but yeah. Um, and so that was one of those things that 
what does that word even mean? And I know there was a discussion in the country about masculinity and femininity and our, our kind of you know, somewhat polarized. This movie is not meant to be social in that way, but that's the feedback he gets. The other character, why it gets feedback, he's not woke enough. And <laughs> so he doesn't know what that means. He's like, I'm I'm awake all the time. I only sleep like four hours a night, you know? And so he doesn't know what that means. So they're these two bumbling fools, if you will, just trying to find love and they're set on this cross country journey. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, uh, a, a lot based on a lot of personal experiences and, and, and fun on this thing, planes, trains and on automobiles, you know, they kind of go across the country to solve a, a pretty, I don't want to give away the movie, but solve something to prove their masculinity. Damn it, Jake, those aren't pillows. <laughs> and, 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 uh, their, their bulkiness, if you will. Um, but it's, so the movie is set in Texas at Gillies on the back of a mechanical bull, right? <laughs> that, that should be, that, that, that might work. <laughs> Or it, or where it ends, you know. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's kind of an, and it all ends in like this major happy ending dance finale. And so we're intersecting a lot of music. We want to create a new album for this that intersects, uh, country music with Bollywood. Uh, and yeah, do this right. And I think we're, we're excited. And there's a lot of misconceptions when you think of the South or some states and, you know, how accepting they are. I, I, I think we, we're all the same. I think everyone's going to find love in this movie and just enjoy it. So the, the premise is hilarious. It is a romantic comedy. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, hey, date night with my wife. All right. Um, so when I, I want to kind of deconstruct it a little bit and, and talk about the different pieces. So what's the Bollywood part for for those that may not know it, and you're probably familiar at least on the surface with the Bollywood uh, genre. Um, give me the elements that play into this movie. What are you trying to pull as the screenwriter for this and the actor for this? What what are you trying to convey? Of okay, I'm 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 showing you what Bollywood is here and bringing it into this film. What are you trying to pull out of the Bollywood genre to add to this? Well, if you've if you've never seen a Bollywood, uh, it is it is a magical experience. Um, it's a production. It's, it is. A it's a production. production. It is a production. There's typically new music that's released with the movie, which may have happened in, in U.S. history in the classical days of the 60s, where there's, you know, My Fair Lady and other maybe new music that came out with the movie. But they have continued that tradition of you're kind of getting new music. So you're not only it's like seeing, the Pretty Woman soundtrack. Yes. You're not only seeing. Exactly. Because we don't do soundtracks. Exactly. That, that's the exactly. problem. Or, or like Top Gun. Yeah. Top Gun. And and. and Movies don't come with soundtracks anymore because that's one of the things I think because because albums to me and, and soundtracks, they told a story and with movie soundtracks, it was in conjunction with the movie and you could follow that story through that all change because of the digital download age. Everything's immediate. Everything's right here. You're not going to get that that full story that an artist is trying to tell. So I, I'm. I'm very excited you're trying to bring that back. Yes, absolutely. Because that's a Bollywood thing. That is a completely a Bollywood. They didn't lose that in Bollywood. Uh, yeah, they they have a lot of new music, and we're trying to create new music for this uh, that kind of brings whether it's a country song or a Bollywood song or a combination. Uh, the other Bollywood, <laughs> country Bollywood, still trying to countrywood. They get their countrywood. Yeah, um, and so that and and 
is it even possible? We're gonna we're gonna discover that during this process. Not only that, but dancing. Um, Bollywood brings to life. Uh, now I'm trying to figure out how to two-step to a Bollywood song. Yes, think of the dancing as well. They do this kind of screw the light bulb move where they kind of have to screw the light bulb. Mm-hmm. Mix out with some two-step and now we got, we got something fun. Uh, you know, Put a little sawdust down on the floor, good to go. We are good to go. And and so that's the other thing that they have these you know production setting set level uh, dance sequences that are just like wow, you're you're just blown away by the colors and, and it's kind of like the big classical musicals of correct back in the day in the United States, back in the day and and so uh, you know and and so of course it's becoming more and more westernized as well. There's a, there is all they're they're shifting more as well, but at the same time I think there's there's an opportunity um, to tell it through. Two Americans, you know, because both of these characters are true Americans. They've grown grown up here. One in is more tied to their rural roots from Texas and such, um, and the other is more of a corporate person based on on my own life experiences. But when you intersect the two, one's kind of living in the moment. The other one, everything needs to be a plan, and everything's planned out. And so there's a lot of kind of life. <laughs> with that and no spontaneity so so that's where that that intersection comes in where we're trying to bring in some of those elements of music of dance um of culture but mix it uh with a really just story and chicken fried with some chicken fried. Yeah. <laughs> okay so so the countryside of things what, what are you trying to pull out of the country music scenario that that you're adding to the film uh, you know, country music to me is, is, it's a place that, I, to me, it's a instantaneous happiness. I don't know what it is about it. The, the music, the words they use, they're, they're always talking about just having a good time. Uh, and so when you pull that out, um, these folks are really trying to, uh, find love, but they're also really trying to find themselves. And there is a moment in the movie where they reflect on some of the things that may have happened to my character having darker skin in the past. And he's kind of fighting and trying to get over his his own, you know, self-confidence of you know being a minority. So there is a, a kind of a fight scene kind of in the middle of this, this movie where, uh, you know, Wyatt um, in that confrontation in the fight was like, you can either choose hate and maybe some racism that may have happened to you in the past, whatever. Or love, and you can choose what's right in front of me, uh, right in front of you, because I've loved you since we were kids. We were best friends. Um, you can either choose that or choose to have some random racist thing that may have happened to you in the past. And so, country brings the best out of I think people. It's just talking about goodness, love, you know, friendship, family. And so, I want to just bring those aspects out and. I, I hopefully that invokes that feeling in others like it does to me. But when I'm listening to country music, it's like I'm like on in heaven. So I just want to pull that feeling out, if that makes sense. So as a genre, country music, very different from Bollywood music. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are your thoughts as far as mixing the two? Because I'm thinking if done correctly, then you're going to come up with a new genre. Yeah, because I I don't see the marriage, and you might prove me wrong, but I, I just see something new. It could be something new, uh, which I guess is by definition a marriage, right? It's like you're you're kind of unifying the best of of both parts to create, you know, this this union, and and hopefully we can pull it off in a, in a way, and it's not like every song is going to be that. There's going to be just that we're hoping very true. 
country music. It's set here, so it's more U.S.-based. It's going to be more heavily on the country U.S. side of things, I would say, the movie. But there will be some unification in at least one song that we can try to marry the two and bring it all together. Um, so will that be Shania Twain or Morgan Wallen on your soundtrack? <laughs> Maybe both. Hopefully both. Um, you know, and it's not created yet, so I can't, I, I don't know, and that's the beauty of art, right? It's kind of, uh, there's a quote, I think it's, you know, um, you know, Meryl Streep says, you know, you take your broken heart and make art. And that's what I try to do in this movie with, um, as I said, with my experience with that, that one date, um, my heart was broken. You know, I, I would have to say I was, I, I would, I, you know, had some moments after that and that. Well, art imitates life. Art in, imitates life and you kind of, and that's what country music does too. It, it kind of, you know, a lot of the music talks about, you know, broken hearts and, and you just kind of bring that, you know, feeling into other people's lives of it. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. Let's have a laugh. Let's, you know, let's, we can still find love. There's still hope, and that's what it it does. And I'm hoping the intersection of the two kind of bring two groups together that have never, you know, never have uh, enjoyed well, each other's two different worlds. But you know, we all have a common thread, right? Correct. Which is love, right? So, and uh, you know, the universal language of comedy. So, um, you know, it, it it's interesting to me that romantic comedy is is kind of an art form of itself so uh for you for a first project trying to dip into that um kudos to you and uh by the way i i won't charge you for the opening scene that we're going to see set in gillies <laughs> on the back of a mechanical bull the tech ranch super talk 1270 we're thrilled to have you with us as we continue exploring living with technology alongside marlo and steve you're tuned to The Tech Ranch. I'm Steve Bakken, along with Marlo Anderson, our guru geek, who is out of the studio at this moment. But uh, we're talking with Jake Andino. Uh, he is a comedian. Uh, we're talking about a screenplay, actually, uh, Second Date, um, and the intersection of artificial intelligence and um, AI and comedy and how they all play together this afternoon. But... Um, Second date isn't the only thing you've written. You've actually, uh, in, in your comedy world, which, um, not your father's wishes, uh, getting into comedy, but, uh, in your comedy world, you've actually played off of your father a little bit and written some other things as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, just to, uh, I think as a precursor to second date and, and getting the word out, uh, to help, um, Practice. Practice it. Practice. practice. A little practice. Uh, hopefully cast it with the right characters from both Bollywood and uh, Hollywood. Uh, and also uh, find the right in independent investing for it, investments for for this movie or funding for it. Uh, you know, I had to kind of create uh, a lot of other comedies. Not had to. Those are all part of my stand-up anyways. I just kind of uh, created a, a bunch of, um, you know, short films. I'll call them short comedy clips. Um, they're seven minutes each roughly and I got about seven of those and then I have um that I'm planning to film in in this February February 2024 um and so I have about seven short sketches of uh, all my stand-up all my stories I've probably I don't know an hour or 90 minutes of stand-up and then I have these things called these dad uh clips if you will and my dad's a very entertaining character um <laughs> that's the short of it he has a lot of uh, fun characteristics. He's kind of the king of 
useless facts, but they'll be thrown in your face when, when he needs to in an argument. Kind of the king of his couch? King of the couch, uh, king of, yes. Um, so very enter- entertaining in our conversations. Uh, I just wanted to immortalize those because after you're out of the heated battle, you are laughing. You're just like, wow. And I think everyone can relate to having a, whether it's a parental figure or someone that they get in these arguments with. And they all start the same. They're a simple topic. Then they end up somewhere vastly far away from where you started. And it it's in the middle of it. You're like, I don't, what are we talking about? I don't even know why we're here. Like, what are we talking about? Because you don't even know what, where you started. And then how did that thread get over there? How did we even get here? What are we talking about? And, uh, and then we kind of, you know, uh, then, and then he has the king of, you know, useless facts. He's very careful with his money. There's all these like little quirks to his personality that just adds to, you know, this and, and, you know, a couple examples of this one, you know, I, unfortunately, one of, you know, my, a dog I've had for about seven years passed away recently. So we had to, you know, so it was an instant, you know, I told him about it, but it instantly went into, you know, what, well, what happened? And so I said, I took him to the ER and he's like, dogs have an ER? I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, they do. I mean, this, you know, he's like, how, how do they do triage? It's like, I don't know. I don't know how they do triage, you know? I don't think they base it off anything else, like the coats or other things that, uh, he's like, wouldn't the birds go first? I'm like, why would why would the blades go first? He's like, well, they were here first. I was like, well, I, what do you mean they were here first? And it's like, well, they're related to the dinosaurs. I'm like, we're, you know, we're not we're not treating a tyrannosaur wretch right now. It's a freaking sh- Shih Tzu, you know, like it's a freaking Shih Tzu. So it's like one of those things that just kind of escalates to this crazy place. Um, Dad, I do not have a pterodactyl as a pet. As a pet. And and then, uh, of course, we had to go through the bill, which was obviously heavy. And one of them was the disposal, which was expensive in Chicago. But apparently, you know, one of our uncles is a veterinarian. You know, they can dispose the dog. So I could have, instead of pay, paying $500, I could have got the dog disposal for free. I'm like, the family discount. Yeah. And, and, the, and, and, but, but apparently they freeze the dogs for the week and then they dispose them every week. So he's like, what? you know, we, you would, you know, they, we would have to freeze Gilbert. And I'm like, I'm not freezing Gilbert. He's like, well, you've known him your whole life. You would get it. Gilbert would get its own shelf. I'm like, I'm not freezing Gilbert. <laughs> you know, like, so there's like, can you discuss having him stuffed with your father? Yes, right. There's there's some things like that, and it's like, or then he does get his own shelf, right? Um, or last Christmas, I was like, I thought it'd be fun. Let's let's, hey, Dad, let's build a gingerbread house. And he's like, What is a gingerbread house? And I was like, Well, it's this thing you do in Christmas time. And he's like, How can you build a house? You don't have a degree in house building. I'm like, It's not a real house. <laughs> you don't need a degree in house building. And he went into this like crazy tangent of like you know me he's like you well you fell off a ladder and i fell off a ladder once when i was in fourth grade so he's like you're bad with ladders i'm like i'm not bad with ladders i'm not bad with ladders and i'm like arguing with him about ladders and why don't you need a ladder to build a gingerbread house and i finally realized i don't even need a ladder what are we talking about i don't even know what we're talking about um and the end of these clips they all end with destroying the object so in this case we had throw a, like a gingerbread house off like a balcony and it just crashes at the floor because they all end in destruction because we actually never do the activity. Uh, so I, I can actually hear your dad going, well, why wouldn't we build the house out of curry? Yeah, <laughs> out of curry, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Or saffron. Or saffron, right? 
So those are those are all of these things that I'm filming. You know, I have a bunch of short sketches and, and my stand up, and just just to bring kind of my world into the world, if you will, uh, just to get that out there before I start trying to work on my movie. And hopefully, the platform as well is taken off at that point, and we're really building something cool for everyone to use. So you know, I I can imagine those clips of your father and your interaction. I don't know how those are not going to be hilarious. Yeah, I, that I there, there's something about that that working between a father and a son, and it's like you said what, and that goes both ways. Correct. Yeah, because I'm sure your dad was thinking it's like, what the hell is he talking about? Yeah, he wants to build how, and and then he 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 on that one he he because he's the king of useless facts. Out of nowhere, he's like, there's a ginger shortage in the world, and this was during the pandemic. So I <laughs> I Google it, the first thing that comes up. Ginger shortage in the world. I'm like, how would you even know that? Like, because you didn't know I was going to ask my. Okay, that, that's way beyond just watching Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, and then I'm like, I don't think there's ginger in the house. It's it's not a house. It's a cookie. He's like, you want to build a cookie? <laughs> like with windows and and ladders. Yeah. So it's uh, so it's always why well, I think there's be- actually a gingerbread man on the shoots and ladders game. So there's the ginger ladder connector. There's the so ginger ladder. That's probably what scared your father. <laughs> He's like, because you suck at that game. <laughs> I do, right? And <laughs> I lost once when you were six. And I fell off a ladder one. I'll <laughs> the fourth step. So I suck. <laughs> uh, so, Dad, you got to have just... Oh, endless stories. I mean, that's where, you know, when, when you inter- intersect, and a lot of com- comedians will cover these topics, but then it's the uniqueness of their life that you right. get that window into and you peer into it um, with with dating as, you know, is, is an example where, you know, I have a bunch of stories with dating. I, I, you know, there's one girl who I met on a dating app and she, you know, she quickly kind of starts asking me, you know, well, what are you? And, you know, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm an American. I think that's what she was getting at. And so she kept going back and forth with me, and I won't get in a bit at all, but it was just kind of back and forth. And um, it goes into, then, what are you? And she says something, I'm like, you're not an American either, so we're both not American, you know. We kind of both went into that. Um, so I was uh, really mad at the end of that. I was really, really mad because I was upset. So I called Bumble customer, it was a Bumble app, so I called the customer service, I was like, Okay, you know, there's this girl, her name's Amanda, she's just a racist, she's like telling me I'm not an American. I'm an American, I eat steak all the time. I went to game seven of the Indians Cubs World Series. I didn't root for the Indians, you know, like I was like, root for the Cubs. And so, and she just reacts. Um, yeah, so it's been, it's been an interesting. And Bumble's on, excuse me, we have to put you on hold, she's on the other line. Right? <laughs> exactly. If you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology. The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 1270. Welcome to September 9th, 2023 in the National Day Calendar. Today, we're embracing the warmth of childhood memories and emphasizing the importance of compassion and caring. 
It's time to squeeze that cozy little friend with soft fur, button eyes, and a comforting embrace. For many children, this description brings to mind their beloved teddy bear. Named after President Theodore Roosevelt, who famously refused to shoot a bear on a hunting trip, the teddy bear has become a symbol of comfort for children all over the world. These plush companions often become lifelong friends, offering solace during tough times. On National Teddy Bear Day, you might want to give an extra hug to your furry friend or perhaps give one to a child who could use a comforting pal. Speaking of compassion, let's focus on sharing our care. In a world that often seems filled with strife, taking the time to show empathy and understanding can make a world of difference. Whether it's a thoughtful gesture, kind words, or lending a helping hand, sharing your care can positively impact someone's life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Thanks so much. On National Share Your Care Day, let's all make an extra effort to show compassion and kindness. Reach out to a friend in need, volunteer at a local shelter, or simply offer a smile to a stranger. Your care might be the ray of sunshine someone needs today. Just when you think that trouble's gone out, out, who's gonna be there when it really counts? Do that giving out teddy bears today yeah i think that'd be fun to do right yes yeah. let's go buy like a hundred of them <laughs> what kind of budget do you think i have and then we're just gonna start giving them out i think it would be fun to do that though let's go do that all right all sounds right. good all i'm right. latoya johnson i'm marlo Anderson. thank you for joining us as we celebrate every day on destination celebration until next time keep celebrating from america's number one travel radio show i'm robert carey with today's edition of your rm world travel minute your travel plans are made. You're packing to leave. What are some of the things you always put in your suitcase? Necessary clothes, whatever shoes you need, your toiletries. Maybe you're bringing a gift to someone. Perhaps you're packing some food or medications. The reason I'm sharing these things, they are all items that travelers are likely to take with them, right? But what about a carbon monoxide detector? Ever given that a thought? Mary nor I have ever traveled with one. I'm not sure, frankly, that we would as it's added weight. But the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission put out a bulletin urging travelers to take a carbon monoxide alarm with them. The agency says that hotels and many vacation rentals don't have working carbon monoxide detectors. And since this is a deadly gas that you can't see or smell, well, you get the rest. Honestly, as I said, it's not something I've ever given any thought to. I'm still not sure that I want to pack one. But as we always do what we can to bring you everything and anything in the world of travel, I guess you could say you now have another decision to make. Stay connected with us anytime, anywhere at rmworldtravel.com. AM Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio.
Here's the latest from ABC News. I'm Michelle Franzen. At least 1,000 people confirmed dead after the powerful earthquake struck in Morocco. A frantic search for survivors underway with crews digging through the rubble. Several hundreds are recorded dead and scores more injured after a massive earthquake rocked several regions of Morocco during the night. Countless buildings collapsed or were damaged by the quake, including a mosque in the old town of Marrakesh. The death toll is expected to rise as search and rescue operations reach remote mountainous areas. Seismologists say that this earthquake is a rare event in this zone. Ibtisam Genfood, ABC News, Marrakesh, Morocco. The G20 summit in India started today, the two-day gathering of world leaders focusing on economic strategies and security. President Biden, along with India's Prime Minister Modi, introduced the Global Biofuels Alliance. The goal? To help facilitate cooperation and create sustainable biofuels and invest in rail systems in developing countries like Africa. The president says the alliance is about laying tracks and also investing in the future. The world stands at an inflection point in history, a point where decisions we make today are going to affect the course of our future our future, all of our futures for decades to come. The president will also make a stop in Vietnam after the summit wraps tomorrow. In Pennsylvania, the search for escaped inmate Danello Calvaconte is now in its second weekend. Police focusing on the Longwood Gardens area a few miles from the Chester County Prison where he scaled a wall. ABC's Morgan Norwood has more. As authorities look to close in, the prison guard officials say was in the observation tower the day Calvaconte broke out of the Chester County facility, now fired. Investigators say the 18-year veteran at the prison failed to see the daring escape. But surveillance cameras caught it all. Calvaconte scales a brick wall at the prison's recreation yard before eventually making a break from the facility. You're listening to ABC. Super Talk 1270, Bismarck Area Weather. With your forecast, I'm Corey Hartman. For today, becoming mostly sunny, we'll see a high near 67 this afternoon. For tonight, mostly cloudy, lows around 49. 68 the high Sunday, 66 on Monday. We'll see lows Sunday and Monday night in the mid-40s. 68 Tuesday. Are you behind on your tax payments? Call Tax Solutions now for help. 800-281-8193. Currently, 69 degrees. Question, what will you find on all over-the-counter or OTC medicine packages to help you choose the right drug and use it safely? The answer, the drug facts label. This label lists the medicine's active ingredients and purpose, how much to take, and warnings you should know before using it. Remember, even OTC medicines you buy without a prescription can cause side effects you don't want. So follow the information listed on the drug facts label. For more information, visit FDA.gov slash drug facts label. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Conservative talk without apology. The Regular Joe Show with Joe Giganti. Weekday evenings at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Portions of the following program are pre recorded. Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. 
You're tuned to the Tech Ranch. I'm Steve Bach, along with Marlo Anderson, our guru geek, who's out of the studio at the moment. But uh, we're talking with Jake Andino, a comedian. We're going to come back and talk a little bit more about uh, your screenplay and, and the romantic comedy and, and some of the stuff with your dad. I, that is absolutely priceless. And uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want to talk about uh, apps, because the one thing you have is this really cool comedy platform. And when you start talking about apps, you know... Is there a saturation point or do you start trickling down to where you start getting into really fine detail? Because a lot of the apps that came out were pretty broad as apps were starting to develop. Um, we're starting to get more into some of those niche apps or some of those very fine point specific apps for different applications. What are you seeing out there in the technology world? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think there is an evolution um, as, you know, what's available ha- has been these bigger apps. And of course, you know, your Facebooks and Instagrams. Instagram started out as a, a niche platform originally and then kind of got, you know, acquired. And Well, and you're seeing these big ones that gobble up these niche ones and then they just kind of roll them in or make them go away or whatever they want to do with them. So I, I guess another question would be from a niche perspective – is that kind of what a lot of these niche apps are doing is, is okay, we're going to create this and then we're going to make a lot of money when we get acquired by a bigger platform? Or is there still space for some of those smaller niche apps? Uh, I think hopefully there is space now that the market and that and the environment of social media is very established. There's a foundation. Now it's kind of how do you take something that may have 3 billion users and you know, find those niches. In this case, you know, stand up is a niche. I mean, comedy isn't in a niche, but I think stand up is a, is a niche. And of course, stand up, uh, is being utilized by your Instagrams. There's a, a number of, uh, channels out there that are using stand up and replaying other clips and, and such. So there, you're seeing some of that out there. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that the niche, um, is where that, fan of that topic is is much more happier now the con would be hey, I have too many apps on my phone and I have all of these things and it's, it's going to get harder to manage but I think that gets you have an app for that right there's probably an app for that to manage your apps to manage your apps exactly and uh but you know I I, I do think people are yearning for an, a good experience whatever they're doing and if you go to more of those generic apps you're just kind of having it you're just kind of a mindless zombie at that point you're just kind of Someone's feeding you something here. You're just watching something. You don't even know why it came on, and you're just kind of in this other zoned out place. And hopefully, when we talk niche, especially at least with this platform and and comedy, it it is you voluntarily going somewhere and, and having a good. You're escaping from wherever you're coming from, and you're entering a space of full comedy immersion, if you will. Uh, and it's it's really geared towards that. So it, I think there's going to just be a better experience overall, and I think that's what people are yearning for. So when you're talking about your platform with the with the comedy and the connecting the comedy and the universality of comedy, um, how is it? Because I, I I love the concept. I I, I want to see where it goes to. It, it's an app I would download in a heartbeat. Um, just because I love comedy, I, I love organic, natural comedy at all different levels. But, okay, Facebook comes to you, Jake, and goes, hey, we want to give you a billion dollars for your platform. And 
okay, now there's a Facebook marketplace for comedy. Mm-hmm. You're not a big company. I mean, how do you say no to that and, and hold on to an intellectual property that you've sweated over and, and put time and effort and and bled over? It, it, it's your baby and and oh, that's a big check. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. What makes your dad proud? <laughs> there is there is that hypothetical of your dad. Son, you passed out a billion dollars? Here's some couches. Yeah. Uh, new ones. Um, yeah, no, that it's an interesting, I think, dilemma that any small company. One, you know, there is a, a greater scalability if you're acquired by someone that has that many channels and users and followers and you have um, an acceleration pathway. I mean, our, our goal is to... You know, we're starting as a independent, you know, startup to, uh, company and, and we want to partner with a major comedian. We want, um, hopefully a number of comedians, but we want, uh, to partner with a, a major comedian to kind of help scale us and really represent the brand of, of what we're trying to build here. Um, and that would get diluted likely if it's, um, kind of, bought by a bigger entity that um, doesn't believe in the kind of the guiding principles of what we're trying to put out in the world. Because you kind of get the bigger entities that just want to gobble things up for the sake of gobbling them up because it's more content for their platform. More content. And the same really goes with second date as well. Uh, You know, do you try to independently raise the money and do this the way it was designed to be and deliver that product? Or do you go to the Netflix and the big platforms that may just buy it, um, buy the script and never make it, um, or buy the script and change it in whatever way they find necessary. You know, well, the guy's not from India and now he's from Poland. Oh, I, 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 it's fine. Uh, you know, I guess we got some new couches, dad. Uh, hopefully you're happy. Uh, so I, I got, I gotta ask, um, with so many different platforms out there because streaming's become huge now and that's kind of the thing and and it's killed movie theaters which i have a little nostalgia for um but what is the best so from an independent film perspective what's the best pathway to go with a netflix or an amazon prime or a you know go to a studio what are your options for a screenplay like this yeah absolutely i think you know one is you know you can commission it and work with so if, if you're an independent filmmaker, if I was younger in my career, I, I didn't have kind of a network of, of individuals um, being in corporate America for 20 years. You meet some folks, you know, I'm not saying I'm in, in the process of raising money. Will they, will I be able to raise it? Um, but I, the intention is to end up raising it. So giggling over the younger in my career part, but it's, it's been, <laughs> maybe to your dad because you're not married yet. But. <laughs> uh, and so that's kind of the, the, um, one pathway, right? You are in a in a place where you have enough, um, you know, potential to do it. Another one is is doing the crowdfunding p- position. You can you join a Kickstarter and and get the name out, word out, and and see if you can crowdsource it. And then, of course, you go to the big companies and you um, option or commission your film in that sense. And actually, at the Austin Film Festival, that was one of the topics of many writers because you know one. Uh, if you, if you have someone else pay for it, you lose all artistic, uh, decision making, but you also lose the ability to, to see it through. And that, and that's the rough part. I, I'm sure you've watched that Netflix show where you were just in love with it. And suddenly it's just like, wait, there's not 
a season. How can there not be a season three? They they were like in the pause. The writers always intended three seasons, but now it's stopped at two, and that's it. You know, and you're kind of lost. And and so um, those are the things where those are the options that are out there. But um, you know, you I'm I'm hoping to take my first option, which is independently creating um, this film and bringing it to to life. Of course, I'm going to partner with folks that are very experienced in it, uh, which I am. I'm working with Playworld Pictures out in L.A. Um, and so very, um, you know, happy with the partnerships. But you saw the money is what drives the decisions. Right. So going back to the distribution side, you know, with all these different avenues of streaming or, you know, do you go to the theaters who are, they're craving content now too, mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't have to be big, productions, you know, Universal Studios, well, they're not working right now anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the theaters doing? Because they're competing with all these streaming services. How do you envision the the best route for distribution on a film like this? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, not using those channels that are out there um, digitally accessible to a mass audience, I think would would put you in a, uh, you know, uh, a financial disadvantage of, of, you know, your goal of if you, especially if you independently raise it, you really want to bring, you know, return that, have an ROI, return the principal, have, you know, your ROI and your, your plus 20% minimally, right? You, you want to do that. So you have to look at, um, streaming services and distribution, um, at the same time, you know, theater is is the best. As Tom Cruise, you know, says in in many of his interviews, right? Uh, especially he waited right to release his latest film um, for the theater experience, uh, and then especially Top Gun, right? You, you mentioned that earlier. Something about the big screen, you know, yes. Top Gun too. That scene, you know, where with the Mach Five, and it's like, how do you not see that in in a big screen? Like it doesn't make sense not to. So. It is, it is, but there is, you know, that squeeze of technology. That's what the whole strike is really fighting on AI and this growth of technology, you know. But from an independent standpoint, you do have to use the channels that are available to you, I think, to uh, satisfy your investors the best you can. So if people want to find out more information about, you know, your dad, <laughs> I do, I, I, I want to more learn more about your dad, uh, or why your dad has this affinity towards couches or second date. Uh, where's it at right now as far as finding out more information? Yeah, absolutely. I think right now we're, um, I'm in the process of, you know, getting my website. It would just be jakeandino.com um, or seconddatemovie.com out there. Um, but you know, it's, it's going to be all released all at once in the spring of 2024. Um, but for now I'm on Instagram, Jake, J-A-I-K spelled slightly differently. Jake and Dino. Jaik. <laughs> Jaik. Uh, so J-A-I-K-A-N-D-I-N-O, Jake and Dino, um, you know, at Gmail or that's my Instagram handle. So if you want to follow the journey, uh, would welcome uh, you on either. Send me an email if you want to learn more, be a part of the journey. Looking for partners uh, to bring uh, comedy to the world uh, through a platform. Universally. I mean, comedy is universal. And, you know, some of the stories with your dad. Um, <laughs> and getting of, those stories out there. A lot of people have those similar stories, uh, you know, m- maybe with a different accent, but a lot of the stories are the same. And that's uh, the beauty of comedy and uh, kind of that crossroads of comedy, technology, 
you know, artificial intelligence, kind of cool stuff. Uh, you're tuned to the Tech Ranch with Jake Andino. I'm Steve Bakken, along with Marlo Anderson, our guru of geek on the Tech Ranch. The Tech Ranch. Get ready for more amazing tech insights from the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. You're tuned to the Tech Ranch. I'm Steve Bakken, uh, along with Marlo Anderson, our guru of geek, who is out at the studio at the moment. We're talking with Jake Andino, uh, a comedian, uh, tech guy, engineer by trade, recovering from that, though. And uh, now he's gotten into comedy. And, uh, well, I don't want to say... Are you a disappointment to your father? But, uh, because that's not, comedy's not the path he, he wanted you to go down. And in, in Indian culture, um, dad's got a lot to say. Carry some weight. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, in a recent conversation, I told him I was, you know, coming out here. Uh, he, he keeps asking about the movies. Like, well, once you realize you've wasted all your time and money, uh, when are you going to, you know, it's like, I didn't waste it. <laughs> you know. I wrote a romantic comedy. It's won awards. I, you know, just creating a script is really hard for anyone in the writing writing field. I feel accomplished there. But again, and I'm like defending myself yeah. because someone's just like, so just, that's just the percent, that's just the way the community is. Of course, if it ever worked out, if all of this works out, what's he going to say? He's going to be like, Jake, uh, you know, let's go celebrate or whatever. But again, we've talked about the universality of comedians and, and comedy and, and, you know, they're just life stories. Everybody's got a little twist to it because of where you're from. But a lot of the stories are the same. They had a disappointment in their kids. You know, that, that, that one's right up there too. Well, that, you know, and, and it, the funny thing was he, cause I was trying to tell him, Hey, there's a lot of these things I'm filming in February, including some of our discussions. He's like, I'm not a funny person. Why, why do you think I'm funny? I'm like, well, he's well, dad, you're a pretty funny guy. You know, he's like, okay, give me an example. And he's just like, so I, I don't know why this popped in my head 15 years ago, roughly. He, he's a pharmacist and they work in a basement. I don't know if every pharmacy is in a basement, but he's, and so everyone got let go. So it's very sad. Of course, that's not the funny part, but the funny part was his reason why he didn't was one of the reasons was he would show up at nine o'clock. They have the punch cards, like this is old school. And then he would walk up to everyone's desk and smile and walk away. You know, and I'm like, Dad, that he's like, what? Everyone loves a smile. I'm like, Dad, that's a horror film. Yeah, that's creepy. <laughs> that's a horror film. So I'm like, Indian dude coming up to me, smiling and walking away. Is he carrying um, a big red balloon? You know, and then <laughs> and then the other thing he tells me is like one of the, uh, you know, so that was kind of getting a little funnier. But then the other funny thing he says is like one of the people that got uh, let go is a direct descendant of George Washington. You know, so I'm like, that's hilarious. He's like, how's that hilarious? His kids can't go to college. I'm like. I'm sure he'll get another job. Yeah. But first off, second, I mean, the person defended the country against the British Empire. You know, like he he's the founder of the whole country. If his descendant got let go and you didn't, you know, it was one of those like, so I'm like, dad, you're just a funny person. Like, you know, he's like, everyone's related. Which being from India, you know, yeah. defending against the British, that's kind of a big thing. That is a big thing. <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, everyone's related to George Washington. I'm like, no one's related to George Washington. And a number of times the name George Washington was said in that 30 seconds span. Like he opened the window. He's like, is anyone related to George Washington? You just hear like a dog from the distance. I'm like, okay, dad. I, I, I cannot wait to see the shorts with your father and you interacting. I'm looking forward to that. Also looking forward to a uh, second date. Um, your your screen your romantic comedy i'm looking forward to that too but um you've got an interesting story with bumble the app uh for dating because you know one of the things with 
Indian culture, a lot of arranged marriages. And I, I can imagine you've probably had some pretty good conversations with your dad about, you know, you're kind of single still, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How old are you? Uh, I'm in my 20s, eternally. Which, which is past your prime. I mean, as far as you should be married off by now, and where are my grandkids? Right. Um, yeah, that, you know, and to finish that Bumble up uh, story, you know, that I called customer service, I was pretty upset. You know, I was kind of one of those things where, you know, one, I'm an American because I, you know, I don't, I don't even cook the steak I eat. I just keep it the way it is. And eat it. No. Uh, and then, you know, and I, uh, and then I'm from Chicago, of course. I'm on, you know, and I had a chance to go to game seven, Chicago Cubs and the Cleveland Indians. And, you know, there's a little joke in there of, I didn't root for the Indians, you know, like I didn't. Um, and so I called customer service, Bumble's customer service. So I'm ranting. And actually got somebody. I got someone and I was ranting about. Um, I always wonder if there's anybody there on those. Yeah. Any app. So I'm ranting. I'm mad because of this lady who has uh, Amanda, who is like basically saying, telling me I'm not an American, you know, in, in so many ways. So I some kind of. Uh, on a tirade with this customer service lady, this elderly lady, clearly by her voice. And I'm like, I'm an American. I eat steak. So I eat when you call customer service, did you get somebody from India? No. Okay. I just, I, I was an older, uh, so then I'm like, I went to games. I mean, I did, you know, I'm, I'm like ranting about my Americanism, even though it's just all incoherent gibberish, but she then goes, oh, my God, that's, that's a horrible, horrible story. I'm so sorry someone treated you like that. But this is Bumble Flowers. Uh, we don't, you know, uh, you know, we don't, you can't help you like that. And so I'm, I'm my like all energy zapped in my body. I've been yelling into a speakerphone, pacing my living room. So I just fall to the ground next to my phone, my my uh, cell phone, I just fall to it. I just fell down. I was like, oh, my God, I the world hates me and or God is laughing at me. Someone's laughing because this is this can't be happening. And then she through the speakers, just like, you know, but we did get this, uh, you know, set of uh, flowers from India. Uh, they were just shipped here. We can send it to you for free. I'm like, I'm an American. People, <laughs> I don't want your Indian flowers. <laughs> you know, like, so, um. So yeah, it's been an interesting and What's your little you know, in the cultural uh and then from my dad's perspective, exactly. He's just like, you know, hey, this is not working, bumble ain't working, just get an arranged marriage. But just let's just you know, let's just get you get you back to India and so that said, I, I do wanna hopefully find love the traditional way. But um I can uh do the whole arranged marriage probably in India if I wanted to. Just not a, a bad thing to have. So you got a safety net. Is what you said. If I, I don't know how I would do it because I grew up here. It would just be like, okay, I guess you meet someone a couple times and you're married. I, I, so uh, that would be pretty awkward, but we can probably figure it out. <laughs> well, you just wait till somebody comes over to be a doctor, right? And that's true. That is true. <laughs> yeah. So, so then the hemorrhoids get fixed <laughs> at home without Zoom. If it, uh, home, it's home care. Home care at its best through arranged marriages. <laughs> so you don't want to use the safety net, but how much of it is it's like you just want to find somebody to prove your father wrong? 
That too, yes, that would be great. Um, yeah, it's always a, a you know the cat and mouse game with the dad. And, you know, he's he's such a he's a great guy. He's lovable. He's like the nicest person. He he. So he has a younger brother who's I think ten years younger, a, a half sibling. You know, and but that sibling has grown up in the house that they had in India. And my grandfather, in his own right, did really well. So he in, inherited a very. And the eldest son gets the house. It was like a million dollar house or something like very big house um, that he inherited. And he just wrote the whole thing away and gave it away to his younger brother without even asking a question because he's like that person lives there and has grown up, grown up there. So, you know, with all of my little back and forth, it's always fun. He's he's a, a lovable guy and a great guy. But we have these awesome dynamic and these discussions. And it's kind of this American versus this other culture. And, uh, you know, and I think everyone has that in their lives with the parent, whether they grew up here or not. Or, and so it's going to be fun to bring these to life, um, talking about pterodactyls and bumble and, you know, everything else. So I, I'm not sure which I want to see the more the the screenplay, the romantic comedy second date that you've got coming out as soon as Hollywood gets their stuff together. But uh, or. or the, the shorts with your father are going to be absolutely priceless. Well, well, the cool thing is the shorts are going to be filmed uh, this coming spring. So those will be out. The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 1270. Technology is our passion. Let's jump back into the conversation with Marlo and Steve. So what is your computer, your smartphone, your smart devices, your furnace, your car? What do they all have in common? They all have processors in them. Well, a company called Distributive has actually thought about how you can combine all of these things and create your own cloud within your business or your home using all of these devices, not just your your straight-up computer or whatever. So really interesting interview with them. Co-Presence is another company that you'll be hearing from in this segment. Very interesting as well. It's about creating avatars, and it's pretty easy to do with their app. I think you're really going to like that. One of my favorite things at CS2 is food tech. And this company, Green Life Tech, you are going to love this. This is a fantastic, fantastic technology to save vegetables and fruits and that type of thing. So got to check that out as well. That interview will be during this segment, too. And that product is available pretty shortly, so stay tuned for that, too. So the cloud is confusing. It's just, it's just simply put, the cloud is confusing. And one of the challenges is that the cloud is always off-site, right? It's always somewhere else. But yet you have all these computers, all these devices in your own office, maybe in your own home, in your own building, in your own manufacturing plant. Those devices could actually be working together and create your own cloud. I'm guessing this is what we're going to talk about, right? That's, uh, you should come work with us. This is perfect. I'm for hire. <laughs> <laughs> we're distributive. We're five years old. We're based in Kingston, Ontario, and we've built software that takes all of the computers, all the devices, all the phones, the fridges, the Tesla cars, you name it. If it has a processor, a CPU, or a GPU, we can put it into a, its own cloud, its own compute cluster using a new, novel, web-based distributed compute platform. This takes all the compute and AI and data processing and advanced research computing and does it on these devices rather than in the cloud. So it's about a tenth to a fifteenth of the cost, 
data stays in the building and uh, allows anybody essentially to become practitioners of uh, next generation AI solutions. Basically, we're operating in three main verticals, hospitals, manufacturers, and universities. All three have lots of idle devices and computers lying around, and all three have needs for advanced research computing or predictive analytics, machine vision, or, or what have you. So in a manufacturing use case, they use a lot of machine vision for quality assurance and safety programs and, and what have you. And we recently did a project with one of our, um, our, our, our customers, and we demonstrated how by moving their machine vision computations off of uh, the commercial cloud and onto our uh, compute platform using devices in their building, we reduced our cost by 16x. And this is this is real. Um, so so I, I see, I don't mean to cut you off right there, but I, um, so this guy right here, it's actually working right now, right? Yeah, so this is, obviously this is a more or less of a stunt. You wouldn't use phones to do industrial level computations, but what we're proving is we can extract compute power from, from a, a headset like this to a phone like this to fridges and uh, dishwashers and, and toasters and any, basically anything with a chip we can extract compute power from. Uh, we have a Microsoft Surface here. It's a, a tablet, laptop. Um, it's running a screensaver. This screensaver is doing the same thing as this browser. It's able to go and fetch compute workloads like video footage and the neural network and all the different models it needs to apply, runs all the computations on the computer, sends all the results back. At the end of the day, when you're talking about the thousands of computers on a university campus, that's that's a lot of computing power. Yes. In fact, if you set up our, our screensaver on a thousand computers in a school, that's worth $2 million worth of computing power per year that you would normally purchase from cloud. We unlock that on university campuses at a fraction of the cost. If people are getting interesting study at home vibes, it's because it's a very similar uh, old concept, but built uh, in today's age on complete web tech. Why web tech? Everything is web this, web that. Yeah. Everything's in the browser. Zoom, yeah. Google Docs, yeah. all this stuff is on the web platform. So we built a distributed compute platform, kind of like Apache Spark, but all on the web. So that means we can run on literally any IoT device. We are agnostic to the operating system, to the hardware itself, and distribute that compute anywhere. So uh, for um, enterprise deployments, we have a couple of flavors. We have screensavers that can get deployed uh, in under seven minutes to 2,000 computers using standard tools that all these, these places are to use, like Microsoft Endpoint Configuration Manager or, or Active Directory or whatever their, their, their method is. We provide the software, it goes out, they get credentials, and then the screensavers, when active, i.e. whenever no one's using them, become an on-prem cloud to do all of that data processing and simulation that normally would be super expensive to do in the cloud. Now, that being said, we're not anti-cloud. We also have a cloud worker that can augment on-prem compute networks by spawning these nodes on the cloud itself and then fusing both together. So we like to think ourselves as, as water. We will adapt to any on-prem, off-prem, hybrid, multi-site uh, architecture and get all those cycles from all those CPUs and GPUs from any device, from anywhere to do anything for anyone at a fraction of the cost. So give me a case study. Well, we've been deploying screensavers in universities uh, recently and uh, we've used it to do dark matter uh, searches in galaxies. Okay. We've also deployed a bunch of these screensavers in hospitals to optimize surgical operating room uh, block slates. Uh, and that's led to increasing in throughput by about 8% in the surgical volume just by doing better optimizations of the surgical scheduling itself. And all this needs sophisticated algorithms and sophisticated compute. 
This is very interesting. How do we find out more about your company? Come to distributive.network and check us out. Uh, and I'm happy to answer any questions anytime. Dan at distributive.network. All right. I'm happy to take you through it. Thank you, Dan. This is Marlo Anderson, your guru of geek at CES 2023. So create an avatar of yourself. Sometimes it's a little fun because you go into the cartoonish character and pick your color hair and your face or whatever. That is so 2022, isn't it? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So you've created a new way to create avatars for us, and and it sounds like it's pretty simple to do. Correct. So what you need is just some device. can be a tablet, a smartphone, a laptop, right? You need to scan yourself, so either you look... Make this movement, right, left, right, up, down, or move the device, right? And then from this scan, we will uh, generate your avatar, meaning we do the uh, the, uh, geometry estimation of your head and the texture projection correctly. And then this avatar runs like on any device, which is on standard hardware acceleration, meaning on a standard graphics pipeline, right? Uh, runs in every game engine. Okay. You can input it uh, like your own avatar looking exactly like you into like a 3D design program, alter it, right. do modifications. Yeah. And also then use it like for games, right? Where you can be yourself or um, you're also with your friends playing with your friends that actually yep. look like they look, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, metaverse applications, as you said, it's like super cartoon style. Uh, our method works right now, right? It's like it requires much less bandwidth, meaning Normally in video conferencing, for example, you're transmitting pixels, right? And what like other companies are heading maybe to as nerves, which is like tons of data, right? It's not, not feasible, right, right? Right, So we sticked on the standard, standard hardware everyone has at home, right? And do also the facial expression tracking in real time, transfer to the avatar. Okay. Does it take a long time? You know, after you after you scan your face, is it something that you get a result back in a couple minutes or Correct. tomorrow? So the recording process takes 30 seconds, right? Okay. You do this and so on. And then currently, uh, the generation process on a like consumer GPU, right, takes about seven minutes. We are pretty sure oh, we, can, we can reduce it to under one because we have done we have not done many tricks we can actually do because of time constraints, okay. right? Uh, so it will work under one minute, and okay. then after under one minute, you will have your avatar, which you can use like almost anywhere. And we really think that these hyper-realistic avatars will really become the communication tool of the future, just because of so many like benefits, right? The bandwidth requirements for specific our video signal, right, is less than the audio signal, which is okay. quite cool. What you can also do with 3D avatars in the context of communication, uh, even on a 2D screen, you can establish individual eye contact. If you do the eye tracking, right, yes. you know who are look, you are looking at. So what's your favorite personal use of what you created? Actually, I really like the video conferencing application, okay. right, because it's so human, so social, and nothing, not much happened in video conferencing over the last years, right? Like, it's still super primitive, and we are so dependent on it, right? Currently... So everybody stares at you, you are staring at everyone, right? You, you need to tell names, you can't say you, right? Right. There's like so many things, right? And we, yeah, we want to like just do it as good as possible, right? Uh, utilizing hyper-realistic 3D avatars, but on devices the user already has at home. Hey, this was fantastic. I appreciate Thank you so your much. Time. So this is your guru of geek, Marlo Anderson at CES 2023.
So I don't know about you guys, but I really have a problem when I wake up in the morning and I go down and I'm going to have a banana and it's got a few brown spots on it. So I hurry up and eat one, but there's three or four more left, right? So tomorrow morning, I already know that this banana is going to be like for banana bread now, right? Which, by the way, is okay with me. I love banana bread. But this is a big issue with fruits and vegetables, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, most people don't realize that 35% of all fruits and vegetables grown are never consumed. Because of this issue? They rot, that decay, they're thrown in the uh, landfills, and we throw 300 million pounds a day into our landfills in the U.S. So what do you think that costs the average person all, like over a yearly basis? The average household is over $1,800 a year and Just wasted. thrown away food? Thrown away fresh fr- produce. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And I think the other thing that comes into this is that when you look at something and it doesn't look so appealing, you know, you're really like, well, okay, I'm going to eat the chips instead, right? Because that, you know, is going to be okay. So it has has health consequences as well. Absolutely. And it's hard to to determine the exact number, but the EPA and and USDA last year uh, published that it costs the United States $2 trillion a year, people not eating healthy fruits and vegetables. Wow, wow. All right. So, Bruce, you decided that you're done with this. I'm done throwing away my my bananas and my apples. What did you do about this? I, I, you're right. I was absolutely done with fruits and vegetables and wine. And I got tired of it, and I said, there's got to be a better way. So a couple of years ago, I started looking into it, and I found out that I could uh, develop I developed a technique, which we subsequently patented and so on. And it's a very simple technique, which circulates the air, takes the oxygen out, leaving nitrogen from the air behind, which is an inert environment. And that nitrogen environment extends a shelf life by f- up to five times. By doing so it. the other thing I like about this unit that you developed is that, that the fruit looks amazing in there, right? I mean, it's lit up. It's like on the counter. When I'm going to go into the kitchen now, I'm going to see that. And I'm going to go, hey, I'm going to eat that banana now. So That's exactly I mean, we did a lot of work on the design of the system so it looks nice. And so it really shows the fruits and vegetables as you can see the bright white light and so on. So you can really see what's there. And that way you get nice, healthy food. And hopefully your diet improves a little bit and your health improves. One thing I didn't mention is when we take the oxygen out at the end of the process, we put a little bit of ozone in there. And for those of you who are not aware of the chemical and so on, ozone is just ionized oxygen. So we, we generate this ozone. The ozone is the most deadly chemical to bacteria. So you kill off all the bacteria, you've extended shelf life out, and the ozone decays back into breathable oxygen. And the oxygen that we've removed already is just put back into the air. And when I, when I go in and grab a banana, open up the lid, take it out, and then you close it back up and it goes through this whole process again? It does, the, exactly. As soon as you close it, it goes through the cycle, removing the oxygen, putting a little ozone back in there, uh, and the, your food's extended out. Like I say, you get up to three to five times the normal uh, shelf life of a product. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. So. So how do I go about getting one of these? Well, you just have to wait a little while. We're going to be doing a Kickstarter program next okay. month. Okay. So uh, watch us on Kickstarter, on our website, of course, and we expect to have the product out in about six months, that, that product there. Okay. okay. And uh, like I said, we're also looking at uh, commercializing it for the other parts of the food chain. We're working on SBIR contracts, working with some, hopefully some uh, OEMs here at the facility. See, we're looking I at- was actually thinking about that, too. I mean, grocery stores would be all over this, I would think, because I can't imagine. Imagine the amount of food that they throw or produce that they throw away. Between 3 and 6% of what they bring in is wow. thrown away. It's a phenomenal amount. And actually, we have a couple of uh, grocery chains we've talked to are very excited about this. 
and we actually did a project uh, for the EPA uh, for the grocery store for putting it in bags. In other words, if you bring your food out, put it in bags and so on, you take the oxygen out, put a little ozone in, and it extends its shelf life and so on. You know, I know we're talking about, about produce here, but something else you said a little earlier was wine. How does this work with wine? It actually works in the exact same way. We have an auxiliary line coming out of the system. We plug it in, plug to the bottle, and we run the system. And it removes the oxygen, leaving the nitrogen inside, and extends the shelf life of the wine as well. So any hydrocarbon obviously deteriorates with oxygen, so it'll extend that shelf life out. Uh, and we've actually had some discussions in the medical field. That's a, a big area, too. But it takes a long time to get into it, and that's the reason sure. we started in this area. Sure. All right, Bruce, I appreciate it. This is your guru of geek, Marlo Anderson at CES 2023. The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 1270. Ranch. Let's get back to discovering the latest in technology with the guru of geek. Marlo Anderson. Well, here we are, down to our last three interviews coming to you from CES. And I think I saved the best for last. So these are great. The first one is called Michael. I interviewed them last year. So two of these three are from last year. And I'm kind of bringing them back because they're so amazing. Michael, they're using mushroom, protein from mushroom to create foods. And it's not what you think. It's very interesting. I tried some of their cheeses. Some of the, I had a chili. Excellent, excellent. Uh, the next one on the list is the Boring Company. This is actually from this year. It is the tunnels that go underneath Las Vegas, uh, like the Las Vegas Convention Center, and expanding now. I actually rode in one of these, and you can hear how that goes. And then the last one is SkyDrive. This is the future. This is uh, cars flying and uh, a little hard to hear maybe because we had to wear masks but i think you're going to enjoy the interview too thanks everybody for joining us this week on the tech ranch so what kind of crazy things can you do with mushrooms now i'm not talking about the psychedelic ones here i'm talking about what's possible in the food realm so alan with myco has joined us today alan what you guys are doing is incredible Absolutely incredible. And I know I've teased people a little bit already here, so tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing. You know, what we're doing is very different. And what we're doing is we've created a food processing platform that allows us to remove bad-tasting things in plant-based ingredients through fermentation. What we do is use a very complex organism, the root system of mushrooms. And it looks like we're brewing beer, stainless steel tanks to the ceiling, and we put different plant-based ingredients in. And instead of adding a bunch of sugar, salt, and fat to cover up bad taste, we ferment those problems away. And it allows us to make better-for-you products. So we take things like pea and rice protein. Yep. You mix them together, and you do that because there's different amino acids in each one. Because what you want to get is what's called a complete protein. We are a B2B company, so okay. we make an ingredient, and we work with other big food companies to sell them an ingredient that they can make things like plant-based meats, uh, uh, plant-based dairy so you think about cheeses and yogurts and milks and burgers and chicken, but all from plant-based, no meat products. So what do you see on the horizon with this technology? 
You know, where I see this going is we will sometime this coming year uh, have a new product out that instead of improving pea and rice protein through this fermentation, we will be able to grow the mushroom biomass, which is the root system of the mushrooms, as a complete protein. And we're really excited about it. It's, it's, it's kind of the holy grail of what we've been working on, is how to get to that point where we have a highly sustainable form of protein that uh, can be produced in about seven days. So a cow takes a little longer than seven days. Yep. Uh, you can uh, produce this in a week. By the way, where's my chili? Chili is hot and ready to go. Not only do we have the chili, but we have our plant-based cheese to go with it. Oh, I'll have to go check that out as well. At CES 2022, this is your guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. you hear the phrase as the crow flies right meaning that it's the shortest distance in the air to get someplace well elon musk has a little bit different philosophy with that and he started the boring company a couple years ago probably not one of his more famous companies but the boring company is exactly what it sounds like it actually tunnels underneath places all right so to give you an idea about how large the boring equipment is that they run underground. This is the actual cutter that was used to bore the LV loop. Very, very cool. You can see that it actually gets damaged a little bit as it's going underground, and they're able to replace these as they need to. So here in Las Vegas, they decided that they would actually create a series of tunnels underneath the Las Vegas Convention Center and put Teslas through them because they don't emit any noxious gases. And they run these cars, as you're seeing behind me, through these tunnels to transport people around the Las Vegas Convention Center. At this time, they're actually expanding this now to other hotel properties in the area. And rumor is that someday you'll be able to take one of the boring company's Teslas from the airport to anywhere in town. So it'll be very interesting to see how this develops, but they are actually working as part of the LV Loop. So you can go to lvloop.com. You can go to theboringcompany.com to find out more about this very ingenious way to get people around. I'm Marlo Anderson, your guru of geek, coming to you from CES 2023. Have you been thinking about what the future of transportation looks like? Well, I have a leader in this in this field right here, Dr. Mark with SkyDrive, and uh, really appreciate you being on the show today. So, tell me a little bit about where you're at right now with SkyDrive and where you think things are going in the future. Okay, well, the vehicle you can see behind me right here is, um, that's our technology demonstrator. That flew in 2020, a one-person uh, eVTOL machine. And that was really just to prove, okay, we can get this thing flying safely. Now, we're very busy right now working on the certifiable product, which will be released in 2025. And that will be a leisure and tourism, two-seater, quite modest range, but the main
main thing really is to achieve that type certificate get the safety in there because that's by far the number one thing did you ever think in your lifetime that you know when you were younger that you would actually get to a point where we would actually see flying cars Funnily enough, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, very good. I knew, I, I still know it's going to be difficult, but it, it's one of those goals and dreams that, that yeah, I've always had, and, and it's great that there's now an industry and an ecosystem supporting the idea, and we can drive things forward. And the diversity of um, our competitors is amazing, and, and it's great. It's great to see so many different solutions with different use cases, and it is a dream that, that hopefully we can bring bring to reality. You've talked to your test pilots. What are they? What? How do they feel about this technology? So there, I mean, the the formation of SkyDrive really has been from uh, come from the drone industry, mixed with automotive guys, and then I, I was the first first thing we sort of deep aerospace background but now we're bringing in more experienced aerospace guys and it's great to see all the different approaches to this type of vehicle and our test pilots they just love the challenge every day of of sort of seeing how the control characteristics of this type of vehicle vary depending on weather conditions what the system's doing and and the feedback loop into the design team and how we can make the improvements and make it a a truly easy to fly system but above all a safe system to fly which is just the, the the redundancy and reliability which of course is in there it's also things like the the human machine interface because sdl5 in 2025 will have a pilot on board as you probably know most accidents happen because of human error or human machine interface so this is the future of transportation right here at ces 2022 this is your guru of geek marlo anderson And that's a wrap on another fantastic episode of The Tech Ranch. Remember, if you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology. The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 1270.